Jordan, thank you for coming on my podcast. How's your life? It's my pleasure. Well, it's good at the moment. I'm traveling a lot. Mm. It's just a nice thing about being a comedian and also the fact that you're able to bring your posse with you. It's nice. It's just a really budget entourage. <laughs> How many crew you got? <laughs> Two. So not even the full cast. Are, are, they, are they your entourage? Like, do they have jobs or they're just hangouts? Yeah, one of them is pretty much just drama in the show. He doesn't do anything. And he is just a washed up creative himself. <laughs> and the other one does have a job, yes. How did you end up being a creative? Where, 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 did you, where was your pivotal point? Mm, good question. When did I start? No, I, I think I always had the idea that I was going to. I went to university, which is a complete waste of time. What did you I study? agree with conservative commentators. Just don't go. <laughs> I, I studied international politics, but I did not learn anything from it except for when I was in Korea. And it was because there was a Canadian teacher there that moved to Korea precisely because the administration didn't know what he was saying because he was speaking in English. So he could teach whatever he wanted. That's where I learned the real stuff. And then the rest of the time when you're learning it here, it's just like, show, what are the three branches of government? What are we in year five? Like, why am I paying 40 grand? It's a lot of money. Yeah, I know. <laughs> to, I know. to do something you could just Google, probably. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's everyone's job now, isn't it? Yeah, Googling. Yes, yes. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just cut the education part right out. That's it. So why politics? Why were you even drawn to that originally? No, I was just very interested in it from a young age. And it just started to merge naturally because that's just a fact of life, isn't it? You should just try and find a way to combine the things that you're naturally good at into one endeavor. Mm. And the thing is, if you naturally do, if, if you do that, as opposed to just trying to be the best in one field, I think it was Scott Adams that was saying this, if you try and combine a, a bunch of things that you're good at together, that's a recipe for success because then you kind of become irreplaceable. If you combine the things that you're good at, there is a very low chance that somebody else will be doing what you're doing. Mm, mm. And it just, that occurred. Uh, it did seem a bit low. I was, I was getting worried about it. Just slowly the microphone is just sinking. <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> it was a classic formal setting where like everyone's too scared to say anything. Yeah, yeah. I have to do something. <laughs> um, what, what comedians inspire you or like what, what are some of your faves at the moment? Rodney Rude. Always has been, always will be. <laughs> and there's a reason for that. I think that, look, I have studied comedy at an academic level. And I've come to the conclusion that easily the funniest thing on earth is jackass. But then like, <laughs> like just a tear down below that is people making really lowbrow jokes. But, and here's the thing that is the caveat to it, in a creative way, which is when you see a lot of pub comedians that are just, you know, the same smutty humour, it's very predictable. That's what makes you just go, ugh. But if you can get that like, ugh, but I've never heard someone say that before, that is a gut-busting laugh. Right. And so I think that he... Uh, well, well, for his generation, actually, to Judith Lucy's credit and a lot of other comedians of her ilk, 
They all say that Rodney Roode was definitely the funniest comedian of their generation, and I agree. And then obviously, you know, the stalwarts of, you know, Husey, Hamish and Andy, J- Dave Chappelle, all the classics. Mm-hmm. The only outlier to that, I would say, is Rodney Roode, that he doesn't get his comeuppance. I mean, Jews, Jews. doesn't deserve comeuppance. <laughs> what are comeuppance? <laughs> Isn't it revenge? No, it's sort of... Co- <laughs> it's 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 a British version of karma, isn't it? Oh, is it really? I comeuppance. So. <laughs> I love that. Comeuppance. I'm going to start using that. Yeah, it's a good word. I, it, yeah. So it's got, I like it. So then your comedy and your politics have combined with what you do now, which is like really hilarious but insightful reflections on current affairs. Yep. And... When, when that algamation happened, what was the first one that you started to go, all right, well, this is going to work? It was the first political video that I did because it actually gained traction, which is always the unsexy reality of the situation. So it's also... Uh, look, it's, it's obvious also when you see Jon Stewart when he first started out. Jon Stewart, actually, I love as well, by the way. Mm. Trevor Noah sucks, but tr- Jon Stewart was king. Mm. And he... Maybe Trevor Noah, if you give him seven years, he might be good. But when he started out on The Daily Show, it was, it was pretty much just a half-hour extension of that new skit from Saturday Night Live. It was very light. Mm. Through time, and I think just arm wrestling, he, he turned it into what I like to call weaponized comedy. And by me, I mean I stole it off someone, but I can't remember their name. <laughs> and he has been able to use it to shed a light on enlightening his audience more than people in the read the New York Times. If you, when he was doing The Daily Show, they were the most informed audience of every news service by a mile. Fox News was hilariously lower than people who don't watch news at all. But mm. Jon Stewart was far higher than the highbrow media that you watch. Mm. And... Uh, it's because he made it accessible, and on top of that, he was able to circumnavigate a lot of the filters that the mainstream media naturally has in it. Um, mm. I think the same thing started to happen where it was just, you know, well, politics has an audience, and then I just started reading more about it, and then I just realised that, no, like there, there is clearly a path forward, and there's clearly a path that just leads to... Uh, <laughs> You know, the, the neoliberal malaise that has kind of stopped growth in the West for the last 30 years. Mm. And that's, that's pretty much what I've... That's the, the evolution that's happened. And I'm not comparing myself to Jon Stewart, as in I think that... Well, I mean, I kind of have a similar job to him, I guess, but on a way more budget scale. But he's, he's a much better comedian than I ever will be. But you can see that progression in his thinking... If you go back and watch old clips of his show and you watch the end product of what he became. Mm-hmm. What do you think the sequence is for actual change with that? Like if, if, if people receive that insightful thinking or like expanded states of awareness or just like a more enlightened version of what they're digesting every day in politics and whatnot through a comedic hit, what... what how long is it going to take with generations? How, like, is it, it's, I mean, it's obviously a very hard thing to measure, but for me, it's, it seems to be something that's taken longer than you would expect. Because like, you see a couple of videos and you think that really hit you and make you really change your mind about things, but they, don't, they take time to marinate, and we've got all sorts of other things to do with our lives. <laughs> so, it's, so it's like, the question for me is like, I love, I love that whole premise of like enlightened comedy. Like, it's, 
it's brilliant. Bill Hicks, you know, Russell mm. Brand, mm. saying something that actually helps an individual as well as makes them laugh. It's because the anatomy gets softened with comedy, like with laughter. You, you, so you can hit them deeper with a truth, right? Because their walls come down, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's actually a pretty powerful two-punch combo. Mm, mm. But what's the what's this time scale theoretically in your mind of change? Like how how, how does it affect the mainstream state of consciousness? The look. There is data on this, and they can. It, it actually is called the Colbert effect. Uh, again, look, Colbert was a lot better on cable than he was on mainstream television. He's been neutered a lot, and also he's actually not a funny man. His character was funny. He kind of sucks. So it's, it's, there's two things that are happening there. But when he was, you know, the follow-up to John Stewart, both of them, when you look at when they started. And you look at changing attitudes of the demographic that they were hitting, which was 18 to 30-year-olds, I think. Uh, More so than in any other period in American recorded history, that demographic was more pro-Democrat and, and more importantly, more uh, pro-anti-corporate Democrats than any other generation in history so it was always kind they were always leaning towards democrat Mm. but it wasn't enough to get them over the line because usually the gray vote is very consolidated but the youth vote just usually has that oh man you know my third eye is woke because i realized that both sides are bad like it's it's just a very stupid Mm. you, you think you're a genius for figuring it out and then you read like i don't know three articles (laughs) <laughs> and it becomes very apparent that that's not the case. I think the, 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 what happens is, look, if you go by that time scale, that was 15 years. Mm. Mm. And I think mostly what you're aiming for as well, in my job anyway, first of all, just to outline the importance of joining a green group in a union, that is tantamount to me because it's just been 40 years of undermining organizations that actually become like a political force that acts as just just like lobbyists do in for, for huge corporations in Canberra for instance unions do that for the working class and uh the same same with environmental groups they work for you know the great barrier reef <laughs> a clownfish can't be a lawyer you know like they, they need their own one um, I think, I think those, those are the things that I'm constantly advocating for. Mm. By that time frame, it seems like it's about 10 to 15 years. Mm. That's what I'm aiming for. Basically, you're not even aiming to convince everyone in society. You're just aiming for that 51%, you know? Mm. That, that's all you want. And there's 40% of votes that are up for grabs. That's who I'm talking to. The, the most rewarding comment that I get over and over again is people that just went... I voted Liberal my whole life because my parents said to vote Liberal. And the way that they got the idea of voting from Liberal wasn't from anything. It was just the mainstream press going like, ooh, John Howe delivered a surplus. He's an economic god, you know. But, like, they, they never thought about it deeper than that. And if you think about it a little bit deeper than that, if you just are able to captivate people's attention long enough to just go through the numbers and be like, it's, it's actually pretty simple to understand. It's not that boring. It's actually very interesting what happens to a country, right, and the mm. direction of it. Mm. If you can get people to focus on that, the narrative changes entirely, and it will change for generations. I can guarantee you those people are not going to teach their kids to vote liberal. Mm. 
that's pretty much all you're aiming for, really, is just a, a counter-narrative to the mainstream narrative. Sorry, that's all I've got. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. Well, it was a wonderful interview. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, total wrap-up. Not just <laughs> <Yeah>. that question. <laughs> that exhausted me, that answer. <laughs> Five minutes of talking. <laughs> Well, and so politics and what else is like, what else is close to your heart in terms of what you'd like laughing at? Like, for example, I love laughing at myself. I love it when my flatmate takes the piss out of me. I find that very therapeutic. It's like self, not self-deprivation, deprivation, deprivation, but actually, (laughs) (laughs) but, but home truths about characteristics that are innate in humans. I find that shit really interesting because human behavior to me is fascinating. Yeah. And, and being yeah. able to laugh about it is so fucking therapeutic. Like, so it's that's a good thing example. to laugh at. This is, this is, yeah. So many wise people throughout history are always just like, that's the best trait you can have. What's that? Laughing at yourself. I don't yeah. have that. Yeah. I'm a very petty man. But oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's great that you have that. That's awesome. <laughs> no, you wouldn't be. You'd have to be take yourself lightly. Yeah, I don't know. I, I get very, I get very defensive about certain comments, but like, yeah, you know, yeah. like, what's an example? I wish. You, you know, the thing that always gets me every time is, I don't know. Someone can say I'm not funny, that I'm annoying, that I'm shit at my job, um, that I'm a freak, that I'm an idiot. Doesn't matter. If someone says that I'm a liar, that shits me. <laughs> I, I, it, 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 I don't know. That's the thing that keeps me up at night. <laughs> or like he's saying this for an agenda yeah, that, that those two things annoy me more than anything else really um, apart from, yeah, what, why like is apart that, from that. what's that about that oh, man I've, re- I've read too much Freud but like <laughs> I think it's because of my mum it was always this thing of just being like you did that didn't you you stole that kind of thing and I'd be like I didn't I swear to god yes you did like that, that, that <laughs> I think that's the thing that pisses me <laughs> no. off very simple. Yeah, you're straight to the point, at least. You know what it is. You can resolve it yourself. <laughs> but you choose not to. You choose to yeah, that's, that's, that's the best part. But yeah, be, being content with the fact that I have a flaw, too lazy to do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. But you know the exact sequence of what you need to do to heal it. Yeah. Cry to your mother. It'd be so... Yeah. <laughs> no, no. She, she, I'm sure she's a lovely. <sighs> no, that's your opinion. But anyway, like... <laughs> So, 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 what do you think is the direction of your work? What, what excites you at the, literally at this point in time with like what you like reflecting on or chatting about? There's pretty much two things I like talking about, which is self improvement and politics. Right, and that's basically it. Mm. Um. What is it? What areas of self improvement are floating in your boat at the moment? Any books or any? Oh, it's always the same thing. Is is that classic eighties American self help? If you can achieve anything, <laughs> that that is the thing that gets me going. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. I thought you. Well, being... I'm guessing you're more into like Eastern Buddhism and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah? <laughs> Not really. Actually, I got really into Vedic shit. Well, I grew up in I grew up in a pretty secty Christian. I was born into quite a religious household. Yeah. Um, I got out of it when I was 24. So I had this, I had this alluring 
after I went mad for a bit, then I found, <laughs> I, I, found I, I found like this Vedic philosophy and Vedic knowledge. It's like, you know, Maharish Mahesh Yogi, the dude that took meditation to the east and that's oh, what yeah. took it to the west sorry yeah yeah so all that shit i got that really floated my boat but then i realized that i got a bit oh I, it felt a bit cold here as well so like i just got <laughs> i just realized that i had a tendency or like to cling on to some sort of like comfortable framework of spiritual knowledge to alleviate my sense of i have i i'm, I'm fucking alone in the universe <laughs> your hobby is cult <laughs> <laughs> yeah, going from one cult to the next. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Can't you're saying one. that I'm self-aware. Jesus, <laughs> that's great. No, it's, stay away from those personality tests they hand out in, in the street for Scientology. Then, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah, word no. of advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, look, look, you, you're not wrong, but like all of these, yeah, look. I, I find it very difficult to, to shit on religion as much as everybody else does. Mm, mm. Because I think... I can't remember which comedian said it before, but I think it's right when he said that I've never seen a soup kitchen operated by the Atheist Society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's it is, it is some wisdom to that. It does mm. ground people into being, in general, you, obviously... You can't say that it's going to work on everybody, but what you're saying, right? That that guiding philosophy mm. doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, it's not going. It's five thousand years old. It's going to have some bugs. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so true. Yeah. yeah, but but it serves a lot of people. It makes yeah. a lot of people happy. Yeah, grounds a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I think there's proof into this. I think psychologically speaking, on average, Christians are far more happier than atheists are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense. So, look, if, if you're into cults, that's great. <laughs> I love that you turned into I'm a cult hobbyist. <laughs> no, no, no. So, so On your own podcast, <laughs> accusing you. <laughs> no, the, headline, the headline is that the second cult that I got allured to, well, it's not really cult, but it felt a bit culty, this one. Um, I, I pulled out of it because I was like, I don't like this feeling because it reminds me of that feeling before, which oh. I, think, I think it's it's just this thing of rigid attachment to anything. It just creates this kind of, um, I, I don't know, it doesn't do much for my spirit. Like I, I, I look around, right, and I see the people that are the wisest or the most enlightened are lone wolves that accept and love anything and everyone. Like they're, they're the people that have transcended all their dysfunction. And, and those people aren't assigned to anything. They actually see the truth in all of it and the dysfunction in all of it. You know, the, True. They're, they're, the, they're the individuals that I think, and I'm fucking far from that, but I feel like that's... When I see people like that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I like you. I, I like you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, that Chinese guy with the free hug sign. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he, he seems it. He seems like that guy. Oh, yeah. Probably is. He seems. He, he, but, it sounds exactly like who you're describing, and you're right. It's always basically the moral to every Eastern religious story is like a happy homeless guy is pretty much, you know, is pretty much God on earth. Yes. Is that, this is always what they're going for, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's because they ain't got any any baggage. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Literally. Well, that's the whole aim of it, isn't it? It's just what you just said. It's just complete freedom from outcome and attachment. Yes, yes. 
There is a lot of wisdom in that. Uh, look, I think you're right as well. The, I was thinking about this the other day. What I, what I, I am very proud of what I've achieved on my own. Mm. And I'm a, I'm a very uncompromising, difficult human being in that I won't, I won't accept deviation from the plan. So I, I, I took like a very rigid route to it. I'm not one of those... I'm not a very pragmatic person, I guess, mm. in that way. Mm. Um, and now when I look at my friends from high school or something, for instance, that, uh, because we went to a creative high school, everybody there was very talented, but you learn very quickly that talented is overrated, and you see that a lot of people that get ahead in life, well, most of the time it's usually because their dad is like a CEO or something, but after that, the the next level after that is people that are just very hardworking. It's not that they actually have any talent. And, you know, if you have talent and a hard work ethic, that's great. But all these talented people they didn't do anything with their life in that they wished that they were rock stars and they, and they could have been that if they committed themselves. I'm 100% sure of it. Mm. But now you look at their life and as opposed to mine where I'm constantly dissatisfied mm. and they are happy to sit there and look at meme pages all Saturday and then say it was a good day because I didn't leave the house. Like, who's really winning in life? <laughs> That's a great contrast. Don't you think so? Like, if, 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 like, there's a profound wisdom from the East in that they're just saying that really your whole life just boils down to states. And if you can be happy, on average, more than other people, like, really, come on, as if you haven't won the game. That's mm, so true, man. Yeah. And for me, that's about balance because I find I can relate to that sense of um, dissatisfaction that being the thing that drives me for more. It's, it absolutely it, is. Yeah, yeah. There's no yeah. other motivator that's stronger than that, is there? <laughs> yeah. But it's a, like a fucking dragon. Like, it can ride you or you can ride it. I mean, I don't know, I've never ridden a dragon, but... Like, <laughs> <laughs> what, what you assume it would be like. I mean, it's more like a fucking horse, really, isn't it? I don't know what I thought about a dragon. <laughs> I don't know why I relate more to like Jon Snow than, um, so, but it's, it, it is beast because I find sometimes it, it enslaves me and I don't feel happy but then when I'm I, I use a, a good amount of it I'm, it's enjoyable and it's a fucking don't you find that a fine line in your work like or do you feel like it's 100% continue when, when do you smell the roses never <laughs> ever <laughs> I'm a very unhappy, disgruntled, (laughs) unsatisfied man. I should be laughing at that. I should should be laughing at that. (laughs) No, but look, honestly, uh, first of all, Picked politics. Yeah, that's a good way to be happy in life. Um, Then then on top of that, look... People give so much shit to politicians. Politicians that I fervently disagree with. There's no one I feel more sorry for. Mm. But it's a a tough job. Constant attack. Your your whole job is to be undermined and discredited. That's the job. (laughs) 
constantly personally attacked. How exhausting. Yeah. Const- and, and constantly thinking about other people from your own party trying to stab you in the back. Oh, so your, your own workmates. What, that's what, the. That's it. Why? Why? Why do you like it then? Because <laughs> <laughs> I get a taste of it. I'm not even in the game, really. I'm a commentator, yeah. but just by extension, you get that feeling, right? Like, look, look. Every single person you look at, like. You look at any broadcaster that just talks about life. Hmm. I don't know, your Hamish and Andy's, your Kyle and Jackie O's, always got this plastered face of childlike wonder in them. It's just a great positive energy to be around. Then you look at the other ones that are very successful, that are usually political commentators, like Andrew Bolting or Alan Jones. It's always this. <laughs> Their whole life. And I'm this getting it now, that little crease there. <laughs> That's what happens, because everything that you ever read your entire life is just like, what? Well, why would you do that? <laughs> what? Why would you do that? I, could just, I just felt like we flash forward to you when you're 19. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I will look exactly the same as Alan Jones. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, look, that, that's the first part of it. But on top of that, the other thing is I think that because I had to build my own brand from scratch in that environment especially because it's an environment of selling ideas and it's an environment of selling controversial ideas as well Mm. that's the whole game uh and on top of that you you get that the media would be slightly less psychopathic than the world of politics like that the whole thing is just based off of negativity as well and just trying to attack people yeah so on two levels my whole life is just trying to spin something positive out of negativity by using negativity to shit on other people (laughs) (laughs) so look it's a recipe for being dissatisfied i highly (laughs) do not recommend it if you're seeking fulfillment where is the where, <laughs> where is the joy? Like where, where, the moment when you publish a video and it does well, or where the moment you finished an edit or watched the edit that your editor finished, and go, that's exactly what I had in my mind, and it's just fun. It's made me laugh. Like, does it make you laugh? Because when I edit video, when I edit comedy, my litmus test for if it's good or not is if it made me giggle. Like as I'm cutting, oh, I didn't remember. That's giggles. a good one. And if, That's it, a good and if one. I'm chuckling along, I, I know it's it's, some, it's something magical because comedy is about, for me at least, when I like string narrative together, it's about feeling what wants to be. Like you kind of what, ask what story wants to be told here, and then you just edit to facilitate that. So it feels more like a facilitation than anything else. Yeah, but, yeah. You, you boiled it down, I think. Mm, mm. That's a great way of looking at it. And you're right. You should just be looking for giggling because you've already experienced it. Mm. It's already been in your head. There's nothing that you can even hope for more than that. I mm, think you're right mm. for thinking about it that way. Mm, mm. Look, I, I, I couldn't add more to that. That's, that's what you're looking for. Maybe that is the, that, maybe that is the tick. But... Do you, would you find satisfaction in that, though, surely? Like, seeing, seeing the end video after, after conceptualising it and performing it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 look, I'll agree with that. I do see some satisfaction in that, <laughs> you, definitely. So you are happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, which one is it? <laughs> you're telling me you're not happy. But I just found one point. <laughs> yeah. 
You've watched a lot of Sky News. You know, you know all those tricks, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nah. Uh, like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd get some happiness out of that. I'll admit it. But you know the other thing you that I enjoy what you do. Of course you do. Absolutely. But this is what I'm saying. When it comes to... You're a self-made comedian, man. It's amazing. It is, it is an incredible feat. And I think about it and, and I'm very grateful for it. Um, you, haven't, you haven't got a fucking network. You haven't got a radio network. It's someone backing you and you hustled for banging that dude like regional radio forever and then finally got on Metro. You just like did it yourself through the internet. It's, yeah. it's fucking sick. It is. Like, I, 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 and I'm very, very grateful that we live in an age where that's even possible because I'd be homeless now. There's no, it's amazing what the internet has opened up for creatives. That's incredible. Mm. I'm extremely grateful for these things. But I think I've come to the realisation that, that some things are more important than happiness in that, yes, I like happiness. And I think that for, for your own personal health, it is a very good thing to aim for it. Um, I should be aiming for it more, and that's why I've picked up a life coach now. Because I think, after, look, after you read 300 self-help books, the, the, the same 12 points they recycle kind of like, you get it. I think the next point after that is you just need someone basically just being a perpetual school teacher, being like, did you do your homework that, for the rest of your life? You, you need to pay for that service. Mm-hmm. There's the, that. Or a psychologist. Or, yeah, or, or a psychologist. I don't like psychologists enough because they just kind of sit there and be like, yeah, your mum was mean to you, weren't they? Whereas just like, I think life coaches are just like, stop being a pussy. Like that, that speaks to me more. Mm. Um, but uh, I think... You're saying the second point. At the, at the, look, yeah, yeah. Look, the, the, when, when you're thinking about the, the the welfare of just by the, the the things that I think about, I am very happy that it kind of takes me away from thinking about myself a lot. A mm. lot of the time, I'm thinking about climate change. As in, I can't get high anymore. As soon as I take one sip, it's just like, did you know you've got ten years to do something about it? Like that. That's that's it. That's the first thing that comes to your head. You know, <laughs> and so. It does keep you out of your head thinking yeah. about bigger issues. Yeah. That's something that you're constantly learning in self-help is something that you should be striving towards anyway. Mm. So that naturally handles that. Mm. I think the other thing that has also happened at this stage in my life is that because, because I started reading self-help at about 19, I'm sure you've gone down this path as well. So somebody who has been you know, dabbling in kind of the same literature as I am, you, you, would have, you, would have, you would have seen this happen to yourself because it just inevitably does. If you start with it, really what happens is you start getting a clearer picture of where you want to be than most people do 10 years from now. Whereas yes. most people are just thinking day to day of just like, yeah. oh, it'd be, I don't like my job, but I'm not going to do anything about it. If you're at least thinking about that next 10 years you start getting a picture of where you'd like to be and even on a subconscious level, you just start moving towards it. And then one day when you're just sitting down and your head's buried in work, you stand up and then you just realise, I'm exactly where I envisioned myself would be 10 years ago. That's what happens, right? And then every time you do it, you just kick yourself and you think, why didn't I aim higher? But on top of that, now I'm at that stage 
now I'm at this stage where I, I am virtually where I wanted to be uh, 10 years ago. Mm. So that's the thing that, that, that a life coach has helped me a lot in thinking about is where, where do I want to be in the next 10 years? Mm. These, these are things that once you get to that level of success where you can afford a life coach, get one. Mm. It'll be the best investment you ever make. Mm. It's just better at... It's it's like I can't remember who said it, but it's just like the the one of the key principles of success is clarity. Mm. It's just about being able to crystallize a very clear picture in your mind of what you want out of an outcome. Mm. Whereas most people don't have that. Even something as simple as going into an interaction with someone that you've never met before or something, and just being like, "I want this to be a good interaction." There is a much higher chance of that happening than if you just go in being like, "Oh, what's happening." <laughs> it's so true it's like a knife compared to just a stick yeah, yeah like it's, it's, it's much right. more useful yeah, yeah. in stabbing some up. precision that's good <laughs> so, knives are much more effective at killing <laughs> and that's all we care about here killing jokes <laughs> <laughs> amazing yeah you're listening to the butchery podcast surely that exists I don't want to listen to that. Jesus. They are very happy people as well. I think that's the other route to enlightenment that is never taught in Buddhism. Mm. Cut meat. Cut meat, yeah, you reckon? reckon Every butch you ever meet is a legend. Yeah, they do. They do seem... I wonder why that is. Because to me, it would be be fucking miserable. (laughs) So maybe they've just transcended that misery and it's such an extreme level of misery so that their their transcendence is therefore also extreme. (laughs) And therefore, Ah. they're just like floating higher than most. It's like... (laughs) Maybe that's the answer. We need to go become murderers and then transcend this guilt we feel and then we'll become fucking <laughs> real joyful. <laughs> oh, pretty, pretty bad. Yeah, look, it's a theory. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible one. So what are the 12? What are the, what are the, reel off some of those cl- like classic pillars within all the self-help for anyone out there that's going, if you can just sum up 500 self-help books now. Like what, are, what are some key... Key learnings. Or, or just one or two that jump out. Yeah, well, absolutely. Number one is goal setting. Mm. And, it, and again, it boils down to clarity. It's, it's just making that picture in your mind as visible as possible, purely because it gives your mind a direction in where it's going, whereas most people's minds are just going around kind of just fighting day-to-day, just being like, is this person bitching about me? What does my mum think about me? It's just, <laughs> look, you know what? It also makes you a really stone-cold person. Like, anytime anybody rings me up with problems now, just being like, Shishin, just being a bitch to me at work, it's like, I don't care at all. <laughs> Do not call this number again. <laughs> uh, uh, you get such little time for gossip and shit when you... I mean, it's play though as well. What, what, what is? It can be playful. Oh no, gossip. Gossip? No, no. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, like you can play in anything really. You no, know, you're right yeah, though. Yeah. But and there's a time and a place for that, especially because <laughs> look, they think after studying gorillas that the reason human beings even formed language in the first place was not to say, you know, I don't know, wildebeest over there. It was for gossip, <laughs> because. 80% of the hand sign languages that gorillas have between each other is just pointing out defects of other people they don't like. <laughs> no, it's not. I think <laughs> so. Like, naturally, if they, they can teach them, and that's, that's where education comes in, but, you know, they can teach gorillas to have more precise language, 
But if you just leave them to their own devices, the communication that they have is just bitching. That's amazing. But it makes sense, right? If you're sitting yeah. around at a zoo all day and you've yeah. got nothing to eat. And yeah. You, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of comedy or it's light-hearted entertainment. Yeah. Like it's, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> it is. Like, it's kind of fun. It's, it's social. It's something to talk about. Yeah. What, what I'm realizing is that you can, you can play in anything in conversation. Like, if someone's gossiping, you can, you can dance around it. Like, the, the comedians that I really respect are people that can bring themselves to any conversation and play in it. You know what I mean? Yes. The, the, you're right. Like, Hamish Blake is a great example of, course. of that. Like, he, he can, you can talk about absolutely anything and you'll find a dancing point. And I think that's... that's what, what do you mean by dancing point? Like a, um, like, like a, a, a funny reflection on what you're saying or, or continue the conversation normally and then, then spin it in a comedic way or find the surprise or the extremity of that or an, an imaginary offspring story around it you know like just pure improv i guess just that kind of finding the funny in any thing or anything that you're talking about or any moment that's actually happening in real time and you know what honestly i've got to say i reckon most comedians are very bad at that it's more a performance thing it's more just like writing and directing a monologue right that's what most comedians are good at right when you talk to them one-on-one, they're usually very serious people. There's, I remember reading this book that was making this difference between funny people and comedians. Yes, yes. And that's what I think Hamish Blake is a classic example of. Like, he's clearly a very refined, very intelligent, funny man. Mm. Um, but but the, way that his, the way that his humor works is exactly what you're talking. It's play, right? Mm. It, it's the same thing as my friend Mislove. They're mm. both Sagittarius's. Oh, like... It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's pathetic. I do believe in that. But <laughs> so you say that it wasn't ironic. It was actually fucking hand on heart. They're bloody Sagittarius. <laughs> and that's why. <laughs> so my conclusion is... <laughs> that... that um, yeah, like, like he, he is the same thing as well. You, you, you put him up on a stage... With a script, and he will be terrible. And it's mm. the same thing when when he because he's a musician when he's performing on stage, mm. and he's got a microphone in front of him, and he's trying to like riff with the audience and make jokes. Mm. It's awkward and scary. Mm-hmm. But when he's just talking to you, he's a much funnier human being than I could ever hope to be. Mm. And it's because he's just a. It's both the same thing. They're just vivacious people. They enjoy life. Yeah. Most comedians don't. If you look at most comedians, what they do is just shit on things all day. Mm, mm. And you know, another litmus test I have for this for the the good ones that are like that are the ones that are giggling along on stage. Like, what what do you mean by that? Like, like Ricky Gervais. Like, Mm. he kind of he laughs at his own shit as when he's up there. Mm. And I see some comedians like fake that and just like do giggles. It seems fake anyway. But some some that. They surprise themselves as they're performing, and they, it's almost like they're. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who else does it really well? R- Russell Brand, I also feel like, mm. giggles along mm. at his own shit, mm. and it's. And I think there's something, there's something potent and powerful in someone's state of awareness when they're doing that, because you're not just reciting like you're saying a monologue. You're actually again dancing in it. So it's kind of this. Um, and it feels renewed or fresh. And maybe that's, and that's again an example of, with Haim again. It's like how he if, he, if he has got a script, he'll recite that script however many times 
is asked of him, like if it, if it didn't, if they needed to do it once, or like in rehearsal, you know, goes once, and then re- next time he does a script, he says it completely differently. Mm. Next time he does a script, mm. he says it completely differently. Mm. Like he mm. can every fucking time. Yeah, he dances with it a little bit. Yeah, and I think it, I think t- to analyze why people can giggle along at themselves on stage, it's that characteristic he has. Even when following a script, that he he changes it every time to make it exciting, or changes it every time to. Yeah, to keep it fresh or something. You're right. What, what is that? I think they're just addicted to fun. They yeah. are <laughs> self-amused people. <laughs> Don't you think? Like, yeah, it's, I think honestly, that's, that, that is my friend Miss Love yeah. to a T. Like, yeah. you can just put him in a room like yeah. this and you're just be like, dude, you got me water? Awesome, man. Like, he's he just, he just, he just best drink, isn't it? Like, honestly. Just that for, for oh, ages, amazing. you know, just, just finds... Finds the, uh, the the joy out of anything, oh, and that's man. that's a very powerful trait oh, to have, isn't, isn't it? Is absolutely. It? And people like me and you, like I'm like fucking, give me more of that. Yeah, like exactly. A- well, that's most people in life. Most people in life, they they they'd probably be in our boat. I think just constantly dissatisfied <laughs> with where they are is <laughs> the exact opposite of being amused. <laughs> we are not amused. <laughs> we are not I mean, should be this, your next stand-up show Yeah, I'll do it I will do it Yeah, I'll just put my head really cheaply Such meme culture, isn't it? Over, over Queen Elizabeth II <laughs> We are not amused <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's funny But I think, yeah, that, that's, that's the end of the, that, that is the end that, that is what I've always been jealous at And I, I just do not possess that characteristic and I've tried my entire life to get better at it but you're, you're self-amusement th- th- right. th- there's, there's, there's a lot of power to that mm. but look you're doing a lot better at that than I am clearly just, just by hanging out with you for two seconds you can see that you are pretty content with where you are at any point mm. you're better at it than most people thanks man <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if, like I, I am like in right now I am but sometimes like I've, I've gone through a lot of anxiety the last five months like I had a proper panic attack and I was very discontent so I, I'm, I'm needing to do serious things serious life-changing things to come back to now and be in, be in the moment because otherwise my, my brain breaks down I'm like I go mentally ill with the neurotic emotional <laughs> my heart goes tight and all that yep, shit you know yep. like it's awful yeah so um i think it's a bit of a survival mechanism to come back to this i mean yeah true it is innately in me it's like when you think about the core of who you are and why you do what you do it's it's definitely there but fuck it's you, you get layers on yourself don't you like put layers on yourself as you go through life and then you, you need know, to fucking shake them off that's what that's my way of doing it yeah you don't feel like that happens well, to no, you? Well, no, it's just I never thought about it that way, but that's, a, that's an interesting way of looking at it. Mm. Because you're right. There's a constant reminder in life that you do have to get back to the now. Mm. I'm terrible at it. Uh, <laughs> I'm but, in 10 years. Huh? You're like, I'm in 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, goal. Be content in 10 years' time. <laughs> Next yeah. nine years, miserable. <laughs> yeah, I'm that chalkboard from Mr. Squiggle, aren't I? 
<laughs> you, you, uh, you, look, I, I think that that's really that's that's a very good thing that that's that's very high up in your list of priorities in life, hmm. especially because the worst place you can be in life, I think, is distracted. Right. You know, there, there was this there was this guy I can't that's remember his name, but he was yeah you're going going back too to the, right. Don't you think? Yeah, totally. It, because it, it's just it, it it sucks you into other people's bullshit. That's that's the problem in life. Look, another one that you you another self help principle that mm. if everyone from Steve Jobs to Bill Gates, such different human beings, but both of them <laughs> both <laughs> they yeah. they both said at the same time when they were saying, "What's the most important trait to have for success? Focus. That's what you want." Mm. And it's exactly true. It's just if you are constantly distracted by things, mm. you are not thinking about what is important. You are thinking about the exact opposite of what is important. You're thinking about what is unimportant to other people. How many layers oh. is re- removal is that? Mm. So that's my whole thing. That's why I still have a phone that is worse than my grandma's. That's it's, awesome. It's because of that. It's amazing. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> that fucking... I was, it's so cool seeing that. I don't know why I was like, man, that's the coolest shit I've ever seen. You're not on an iPhone. It's amazing. Yeah. So what model is it? I don't know, but I was so annoyed it doesn't have Snake. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that era. It's like it. It seems... No, it would have been... I don't know if you remember this in high school when it was just like, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you polyphonic ringtones. Yeah. That, that was the That's era right. that it comes from. <laughs> That's right. It was a slightly more sophisticated sound. Yeah. 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 That's the only way you can describe yeah. it. It was just like almost as good as a Game Boy cover. But that's a very conscious focused decision. Like you, you're doing that because you don't want more distraction. No. Is that, is no. That, yeah. that, that's another key point that I will attest to to the day I die which is the more time you can get focused on the things that are important to you, the more successful you will be in life. And I'm bad at it. I'm very bad at it. I just need to have that Christian monk set up in life where it's just me, a bed, a book, and a whip. And a whip? Just to hit myself every time I think in pure thoughts. Like that, that would be the perfect setup for me. That would be, that's, that's what I aim for in life. But I think it just depends on what, what your goals are. For you, for instance, it's probably different for you. Being around other people for your job, I would imagine energizes you as long as there is a, a collective focus task. Yeah, 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 definitely. But again, it does come down to focus. Yes, it does. And it's, it's a gross place to be in because that's the other, it's, it's actually something I'll, I'm always trying to categorize activities that I do in terms of passive activities and active activities. So passive activities is playing computer games or Mm. being on social media, watching TV, that kind of stuff. It it does absolutely nothing for you. (laughs) You know it is worse watching TV than being asleep? Your brain works less watching TV. Does it really? Well, at least when it's asleep, it has to use its imagination to dream. Whereas right. that's just sitting there being like, the dream is to buy these bed sheets from Dan Osterick. <laughs> <laughs> so I think like, I think, yeah, like, 
that that level of that level of focus you clearly look you seem to flow better in this kind of environment nobody can see this obviously but there's a hundred computers back there <laughs> it's not that many <laughs> it's like, fact it's just, yeah. don't try and correct Liar. <laughs> no there's a few such computers. an exaggeration it's like 30 yeah <laughs> But there's yeah, there's um, there's a few computers. I don't like I don't love computers. I like going to the park more often, to be honest. But what's yeah. what's your environment? Where, where's where's a good environment for you to feel inspired? Well, it, the forest. Is it really? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you know, I find that so funny because I'm a hermit. Yeah, yeah. I'm a hermit that has a camera. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's 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 mostly my life. I like being in hick towns. Stephen King's life, that, that always seems great to me. I'll even right. take it with the murderers and monsters he imagines. Like, the, just that small town America where it's just like, you know, it's always, it's always about a writer. I wonder where he got that idea from. <laughs> he just likes two things, writing his books and hunting. But that's, that's that environment of just being around mountains. Because mm. there's a lot of sea people and mountain people, isn't there? Mm. That's, the, that's the area that recharges me. Mm. And I just like going on long solitude walks and talking to a couple of people that I find stimulating <laughs> and, and, and for the, the exact amount of time that I want to as well. Like yeah. I reckon I could just have a timer and just be like, and your 30 minutes is up. Thank you for your time. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love you to sign off your next spontaneous conversation like that. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> just got of, yeah. 30 minutes is Miss a long love, time. Let's talk. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. I think nature fucking it does everything for you, doesn't it? Like, it's hard not to be miserable when you're in the ocean or in the trees. Like, just lying on fucking grass, I feel so good. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Do you have a dog? Yes. Do you? Yeah. Do yeah, you? I'm thinking of getting a dog, yeah. Well, it's the, it will be the best decision you'll ever make. Really? Absolutely it will be. It is, a, it is an animal that is designed to love you. How does it get better than that? <laughs> 5,000 years of anything that even growled slightly drowned. <laughs> it is just pure from survival instinct from their, their angle. Just, just pure love. It, it is an incredible... And also keeps you coming. Because if, if, you're, if you Peace do a lot of editing, which you do, mm. that is your... A, a lot of time you do probably have to spend in solitude anyway. Mm. And having a dog is the best of both worlds. It's company and solitude. Mm. And it forces you to be active as well. Right. It's, it's, there's nothing bad about them except hair. Screw that. Mm. But also, screw poodles even more. I'll, I'll stick up with the hair. I hate that dog. Yeah. But what, what dog do you want? I'm looking again. <laughs> well, yeah, what dogs don't you like? The poodle. Yeah, absolute Sausage scum. <laughs> They look like glorified rats, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. French frilly rats. <laughs> oh, As bit, if they're not. Bless their souls. Bless their souls. <laughs> yeah, they, they do seem very anxious. And I wouldn't want to be one of them. Yeah. I feel sorry for them. Yeah. But uh, Well, that's why I wanted, to, I wanted to get a rescue dog. But then I was like, I've got enough mental issues. I don't feel and, like... And it will be, for and sure. it will be more. Yep. Um, yep. Although once I'm more stable, maybe I will. Which will be probably never. The, the only alternative to that, Jesus, is so hipster though. You should go to Greyhound. Oh yeah, true, because they're super chill. They are extremely <laughs> relaxed animals. 
Um, but now I think I'm looking at a Swiss Shepherd, which is like a German Shepherd, but um, Swiss. <laughs> <laughs> is there any difference at all? It's a bit calmer temperament. Is and it? It's white. I want a white one. Whoa. Yeah. Because it's powerful. <laughs> no, nah, I don't know why. I just, I, just, I just saw it one day and I was like, that's well, a beautiful you have that dog. same attitude to life as like a Chinese billionaire. Like you just really want a Siberian tiger. Yes. <laughs> I would, but I couldn't afford one and they're illegal. Yeah, it's a big step down. Such a lower step. But yeah, I think, look, German Shepherd is a great dog. Yeah. They are. They're misunderstood. <laughs> They, they, man, honestly, they, I take it back. There is three things I like talking about a lot. It's dogs. And if I did want to be happy in my life, I think I'd do that. Just become a dog walker. Yeah. And if there was aliens that said, you are not allowed to speak about anything ever. <laughs> otherwise, we'll kill you instantly. Except for one subject. Dogs. I can talk about it all day. I love it. <laughs> tell me. Tell me more about dogs then. Because I need to learn about them. And do you enjoy the responsibility of, of cleaning up their poop? And training them like is that, Here, does that become the, joyous the trick to that don't clean it up <laughs> <laughs> your house but uh look i can get away with that because well up until recently it's because in my current house i live near a national park oh amazing and then the other one is that uh before that i just lived again in the woods so if a dog shits in the woods, does anyone see it? But on top of that, it's fine there. That's what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but look. In an urban environment though, have you done much dogging? <laughs> no, I haven't done that. That would suck. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah. yeah, I don't know what you... You're on your own on that one. <laughs> uh, That's the main train. I'm going to train it in the house. And it's going to be pissing ooh. everywhere. Shitting everywhere. There's those, there's those uh, pieces of fake grass that you should get. I highly oh, yeah. recommend that. I only know that because... How sad is this? It's like that Simpsons joke of angry loners, the unemployed. It's so true. It's TV at 3 a.m. in the morning is aimed specifically at that demographic. Mm-hmm. And that's, there's so much Harry's practice on at that time. But that's, that's, that was his massive recommendation about that. Right. But if, if, wait, do you live in an apartment? Yeah. Because you're going to get a huge dog. Yeah, but I figured, like, I'm a huge human living in an apartment. My, <laughs> my, my human body's bigger than the dog body. It'll be fine. Like, and because it'll be with me all the time. It'll come to work with me every day. I walk it twice a day. Mm. It's only going to sleep in the apartment, mm. which is what I do in the apartment. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, the only thing that I can add to that is <laughs> get a fucking house. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, how harsh is that saying that to someone else? You're, you're a loser, aren't you? Like, when are you going to grow up? <laughs> um, uh, the other thing is, when you're walking a jog, I, I think this is a thing that you should definitely get into, is taking it to a park and getting it to the point where its tongue goes like... Ah. <laughs> at least once a day, which is just what human beings should be doing as well. But just, you know, th- that really lazy thing of getting that $2 shop extension ball arm. You need to do it like 10 times. They're done. But that, that is, that will cure 
80% of their disobedience. Because that's the thing that bogans are always doing. You go to any rural town in Australia, there's just all these dogs barking in backyards, and they're going, why are you barking all the time? It's almost as if you have all this pent-up energy that isn't being used. <laughs> <laughs> so true they're just fucking pissed off they just can't do what a very basic thing of yeah moving a lot yeah a prisoner yeah. mad life oh man what did they do wrong uh, I, I think that's the only thing that I should, could add mm. to that it's just when people say that they walk that is not enough energy expenditure the, the key trait that you want to look for is the tongue lazily dangling from the side gotcha gotcha as it does <laughs> with humans after a run yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah great uh, uh, so exercise the shit out of it make sure it's happy feed it well yeah yeah you, you had a Tamagotchi you'll be fine <laughs> Same thing, right? <laughs> Just a bit bigger and it, it doesn't need batteries. <laughs> yeah, it's easier. Although it needs big, like, meat batteries, which is, like, just the food, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. And, yeah, well, yeah, okay, so way more batteries, way more expensive. <laughs> Plus, side is, I think they live way longer than Tamagotchi does on average. Like, you could, you could screw up yeah. with the dog way more than you yeah. could a Tamagotchi. Yeah. And they're biodegradable. Yeah. So, Tamagotchis <laughs> don't degrade, which is terrible for the environment. On your point. That's yeah. why you've got a dog instead of a Tamagotchi. <laughs> <laughs> because you're really an environmentalist. Yeah. It's only uh, reason. Uh, that's the reason. <laughs> it's not that Tamagotchis are shit. <laughs> What's your, what, what is your breed? Mine's an Australian bulldog. Oh, beautiful. I um, didn't get it by choice. It was just kind of lumped on us because my sister's girlfriend. Mm. It's so weird that they're from the same gene pool. She is easily the smartest human being ever that is in my immediate circle of friends. Mm. Her sister is the dumbest. <laughs> and she should not be... She, she sh herself should be neutered. I don't think she should have kids. And so she is... She basically... She, she bought an expensive dog. It's an expensive breed. Yeah. And then was just like, I'm bored. And just left it with us. Which was fine oh. because I've always wanted a dog. So that's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's the reason that we have that dog. So it wasn't by choice. But now, look, I think I'm just going to have to do it for the rest of my life. I need a dog with an inbuilt disability because they're funny. <laughs> yeah, What's I understand that it must be hell not being able to breathe properly. But here's my counter argument <laughs> yeah. to that. It makes me laugh. <laughs> you just laugh at its misery. Is there any other reason to laugh? <sighs> I, saw, I saw one in the park today. It, it was like lips were just like this, and it was just really yeah, struggling. Uh, uh, exhausted by just breathing, <laughs> walking. Poor bastard. But that's probably a British bulldog. Australian bulldogs have had a lot of that bred out of them. Right. They. That's the thing with pugs. A lot of the short snouted dogs, they all have breathing problems to the point that it, it actually starts impacting on their life. Mm. Australian bulldogs basically just snore really bad. Just like a fat Russian cab driver. Just <laughs> sleeping next to that. And so, <laughs> and so they are fine for the rest of their life. Their, their nose has been extended and their legs have been bred to be a little bit longer right. than a British bulldogs. So they are fast and they do that. So that's, that's a nice happy middle ground mm. for people that are on my boat. Mm. 
Having said that, still want a sausage dog. Is that what you don't you're... care that their backs hurt? Yeah. <laughs> they have terrible back problems. Absolutely. Why a sausage so dog? So bad. What do you think is the cutest breed of dog? Because can you think of one that's cuter than that? Oh, well, Especially if they're in twos and they have sparkly tuxedos. <laughs> they just feel the height of novelty, like yeah. the back extension. I, I mean, I think, I think to be honest, a, a puppy white Swiss Shepherd is my favourite. You can't beat it. It's You're right. It's just white, like fluffy as fuck like thick coat yep yep i'm down for the thick coat i'm i'm not i think i'm down for brushing it just for, <laughs> for the sake of having a fucking like a scruffy ah, it is you nice know, you know you just want to hug it it's like a oh, bear yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> it gets that it gets that emotion out of you doesn't it <laughs> we need something to get that emotion out of us yeah the, ugh, i can't you can't deny it you, dude i'm a hundred percent on board with this <laughs> But uh, yeah, look, that's true, and I will make the caveat as well that Labrador puppies, nothing's cuter than that. But oh, but, but yeah. I'm talking about a fully grown oh, yeah. dog, yeah. Because you can't. German shepherds right, are nice. Gotcha. I like them a lot. They're a majestic, noble-looking dog. Yeah. But I wouldn't say they're the cutest breed. Then that's true. Well, you absolutely got me right up on the ropes. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 refer, I use my point. I bring it down to puppy status, which all dogs are cute at puppy status. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you're right, really actually. Completely no, it kind of reverses because sausage dogs and pugs look fucked when they're that young. Do they really? Yeah. Do they really? A long rat. Yeah. Awesome. Or a pug, like a, a pathetic mole rat. Even better. Yeah, they don't look good. <laughs> It's so funny. I didn't think that they do reverse. The yeah, little mutts. Yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised because I don't. I don't hear many people that like sausage dogs. Really? Yeah, just because they 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 they. I think they're too like quirky. Maybe that's why. Is that the, well? What do you see as the major breeds in Melbourne then? Because everyone oh. in Sydney seems to have sausage dogs or French bulldogs. But but everyone in Melbourne seems to. Oh, Melbourne, you says has that French bulldogs. Oh, right. Well, I find it, the most common dogs here, like Border Collies and Labradors, or those kind of, like, yeah, those kind of dogs. Although it's such a fucking well, that's variety. stupid. Uh, look, I understand, <laughs> like, because German Shepherds are built as guard dogs. Labradors, yeah. they have that same disease. I can't remember what it's called, but when, when people don't know when they're full, they, they have that innately. So they're just perfectly happy mm. to just wander around your feet hoping to God that a scrap falls on the ground. That's all they think about. But, 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 a, but a Border Collie is, is truly a work dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that is actually... You think I'm the monster for liking bulldogs. I mean, shame on you, Melbourne. <laughs> what is your vibe on Melbourne compared to Sydney? I was just made a video about this, actually. I saw, I saw it, yeah. But I want to know your real feelings. <laughs> You know what it is? This is this is the thing. Everybody, can I can I drop the C bomb on this? Oh, I love love it, love it. If you, <laughs> you want it, okay. All right, you know, strap yourself in. You, you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but I think everybody in Sydney is a cunt, whereas everybody in Melbourne just looks like a cunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But everyone in Melbourne is very nice. Yeah. No one. No one at all in Sydney is a nice human being. 
And it's reflective in our parliaments as well. Yeah, yeah. I have seen parliament. It's a very good reflection on a society looking at the parliament. So, for instance, mm. Canada, just filled with wimps, mm. pathetic, mm. no slagging at all. What the hell is that? Why even have a parliament? That's the whole point. They, they, all they do is sit there and make really bad speeches and then everybody on their side politely claps while the other side says nothing. That's their rebellion. Ooh, edgy. But then you come to, then you come to Britain and it's all just very eloquent burns. Mm. Uh, very savage burns, and then you come to Australia, and it's just more laid-back slagging. That's <laughs> and that's that's our country in a nutshell. And I think that that you, it is reflective. If you watch Victorian Parliament, it's a lot more cordial. There's still there's still some knocks, but there seems to be all in good fun. There's no good fun in New South Wales. Its nickname is the Bear Pit. It is known as the most severe, harsh take-no-prisoners parliament in the country. Mm, mm. And I think that that is a really good reflection of Sydney in general. Sydney has a very cunty vibe. It's very bitchy. I mean, it, it founded me. Founded me. Think about the things that come out of that, like Kyle and Jackie O, me, Will Anderson. We're all bitchy people. But what about Melbourne? It's like Dave Hughes, Hamish and Andy, just very happy, fun people that are up for a giggle. Like it, 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 it is, there is a very distinct difference in the two cities that way. Um, what about New Zealand politics? We've, what's your vibe on them? I don't know anything about it mm. at all. Mm. I just know Jacinta Ardern because she's never out of Women's Weekly. Mm. It's just That's all I know about it. It's just like, she has a nice smile. But I, I don't know actually what her specific policies are, apart from the fact she was the only government in... I don't know if you know anything about the Trans-Pacific Partnership, but it's mm -hmm. probably the scariest thing that's ever happened and no one knows anything about it. I don't. What's it? Well, it's basically... There's two ways to look at it. If you look at it from a geopolitical context, I don't even agree with it from this angle anyway, but America before Trump, because Trump pulled out of it, and I think he was a genius for doing so, but he, it was the Obama administration that wanted to link up all the Asian countries' economy to kind of create like a union of nations against China as a counterbalance. What they did was, as always, just left it to corporations to write. It was like 600 lawyers that sat behind closed doors for six years and never released what the actual documents were. It's only been released by WikiLeaks, and the things that you've learned in it are terrifying. It's, all, it's a free trade pact, but as always, a free trade pact is just code word for... Uh, uh, business rights protection, essentially. So it's just, it's actually, they, they always say this of just being like, it's all about the free market and opening up markets. Well, why don't you do that then? Because what you're doing now is closing off trade to benefit Disney, for instance, just being like, yeah, we're just going to increase patent laws from, I don't know, 70 years or whatever it is now, which is ridiculous anyway, to 150 years. So anybody that just, you know, makes a Darth Vader helmet with pink, we can sue them kind of thing. It, it, so it just stifles creativity and innovation, which any economist will tell you is the blood life of an economy. Right. For instance, you know, you can't... I don't think anybody from Tiger Air would currently be employed if the jet engine wasn't invented, mm. you know? Like, and this all happened from people stealing off each other, yeah. which is what China has been incredible at. I'm very sympathetic to China, so I don't want to get into that <laughs> debate because every time I do that, everyone's just like... It's just a shit show. But 
That, that's the way that that works in general. But a, a very good way of thinking about it is if the laws were imposed on the Trans-Pacific Partnership in the early 1800s of America, America would still be an agrarian economy today. Like, they, they would just be a nation of Amish people. It would just put them to, in, in a time freeze, mm. which is kind of what the Trans-Pacific Partnership is aiming to do. Terrifying stuff. Mm. I, pox on both their houses. This is the only time that I'll ever agree with that both parties are the same because they both... There was a lot of... To Labor's credit, there was a lot of internal uh, fighting about signing the, signing the agreement and then just while there was like a committee, there was just a, a small group of top heavies in the Labour Party that were just like, yeah, so we're going to pass the transcript job sheet while everyone's at a toilet <laughs> break? Yep, all right. And then they just passed it. Oh, wow. No, as usual, no uh, resistance at all from the Liberal Party. It was just like, yeah, donors want to do it, tick. So they just signed up onto it instantly. Trump pulled out of it, which actually did put a uh, spanner in the works for the Trans-Pacific Partnership project in general. Mm. Um, but Jacinta Ardern's government was the only one that was at least expressing, we want to go back into renegotiating this agreement. Right. Uh, no other government in the Trans-Pacific Partnership, so your Taiwans, your Japan, South Koreas, all just obediently ticked it off, which is what their corporate masters wanted them to do. Uh, Australia, was the own, Australia was holding off for a long time. Labor was providing opposition, but the forces within them eventually won, and so that's now gone. That's the only thing that I really know about Jacinta Ardern's policies. Mm. I don't know anything else about her policy-wise. Mm. So I, I can't comment on New Zealand politics. Mm. Frankly, I don't care. It's four million people. <laughs> <laughs> it's always like this a constant thing because obviously after Australians, New Zealanders would be the second most amount of human beings somewhere that follow my stuff. And they're always saying, you should look at New Zealand politics, which my answer is always a short, sharp no. <laughs> <laughs> Would you ever consider getting into politics yourself? No. No. I'm too stupid for it. Yeah. And I've said too many things. There's too many pictures of me naked molesting a dead squid on the net. <laughs> too, many, too many of that specific activity. Yes, yeah. You've been doing it every month for 10 years. <laughs> And someone keeps taking photos of you. <laughs> That's my defence. <laughs> yeah, look, there's, there's too, I've said too many stupid, controversial things. I mean, look, they were able to sink. I don't know if you know anything about the New South Wales election. I don't expect you to. No, like, I don't. <laughs> there's no need. But honestly, everything you're thing- saying today about politics, I've never heard before. Right. <laughs> so, I- <laughs> <laughs> Square one. Yeah, yeah. Just sorry, uh, federal means national. Right, uh, so the uh, New South Wales politics is just... The, the, the Liberal government there is particularly sinister, and it always is on a state level because nobody reports on it, and as a result of that, they're able to get away with so much worse stuff. And there's a lot of power in state politics that no one knows about. Right. Everybody just looks at the main act, which is national policies, and they don't report on that properly anyway. But when it comes to state politics, it's, it's a combination of they don't resource it enough, they, they're extremely biased anyway, 
and no one pays attention. Mm. Um, so the, 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 the things that they've been able to get away with are just horrendous. Like the, the million fish kill, for instance, that is a direct result of Liberal Party corruption, just selling water off to their donors in the cotton industry at huge expense and waste to the environment. Uh, they're now clearing as much land in New South Wales as Brazil does every year. Whoa. So <laughs> maybe we should have been a little bit worried about that mm. instead of just like, look how many cranes there are in Sydney. We're doing something. <laughs> and then, you know, the, the same thing with every project that they've set up when they just sit there and they just go, you know, um, we, we've built so much stuff over the last eight years and we're in a surplus, which is always... The Liberals always say that, we're in a surplus. Yeah, it's very easy to be in a surplus if you privatise everything mm. <laughs> and then you have this huge chunk of money and then you use that money to set up things like the West Connects project, which is a road that does not alleviate traffic at all but forces the poorest citizens in Sydney to pay $200 a week in tolls to get to work to Whoa. their donor in Transurban. It doesn't, you're not even making money... The government is not even making that money. It is one of their donors that is making all of that money. None oh. of this was covered in politics, of course. None of it was covered. All they did was realise that Labor was, had a chance, just a chance of getting into minority government in New South Wales. What they did instead was they just ran a smear campaign and diverted all media attention to just being like, Michael Daly said the word Asian once. Is that racist? I think it's racist. Does, does this person think it's racist? Just, just made that? Mm. Like, that's, that's what a state election is about? A word, you know? That they made that the commentary for the last week, which obviously just completely... There's two reasons for this. First off, it... Uh, makes everybody think that that's what the election is about. Second off, it just sucks the oxygen out of anything that is important. Nothing that is important makes it into the news as a result of that. Right. Um, that's what I'm saying. Like, in politics, it is, it, is, it is a very dirty game. You have to be squeaky clean. That's why everybody always goes, why are politicians so boring? It's just like, because if you said the word shit in year four and you went to the naughty corner for it, someone's going to dig that up. And they're going to use that as a smear campaign against you, you know? And so, like, as a comedian, I've said horrendous things, things I'm very unproud of. <laughs> and it's just the nature of comedy. As you were saying, there's two, as we were saying, there's two types of comedy. There's the fun, playful comedy, and then there's criticism comedy. And when you go to criticism, you're in a negative headspace. You say mm. mean-spirited things all the time. mm so, no, I, I think that it would be a terrible idea for me to get in Parliament and I like the fact that I'm intelligent enough to know that I'm too stupid to be running a country. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel like pretty much everyone is. Like, it's rare that you look around at leaders and go, oh, I trust you. Yeah. You, you, you sometimes yeah. see leaders and go, I trust your intention because yeah. you seem yeah. like a good person. Yeah, yeah. But even then, it's like, I mean, I don't know if you've heard of my vote, am I vote? It's this, I on my podcast, it's this geezer um, that started this democratic um, voting system. And I don't know much about it, so forgive me. But um, it's essentially uh, um, a way to, it's a system of voting that is meant to be true democracy. Because it's, it's, it's hard, to, it's, I it, it's something along the lines of um, whoever gets voted in, as a candidate Ha, the, the the policies or the legislation gets completely constructed by the will of the people, so they 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 vote on a thing and they have to be educated on that thing, and they they can change that somehow can be curated to. 
I'm doing a terrible do- job of explaining it, but I'm, I'm sort of getting it. I, don't, I think you're it. doing a better yeah. job than you think you are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're not giving yourself any credit, so it's pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, well, it's something like that, and it's meant to be good. <laughs> what do you right. think of that thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the question is, what do you think of good things? Yeah, what do you yeah, think? They're of good pretty things? pro that. I know that's a controversial opinion. What do you think of good politic ideas? What do you mean? Like, what's the future of politics? Because it just seems so heavily corrupt and completely a massive snooze fest. Because they're just not. It's not. That's why your reflections on it are exciting because they're truthful. And a lot of politics doesn't feel truthful. Well, it's it's exactly the opposite of that. It's about messaging to key demographics to get them to vote for you because all you're trying to do is shore up enough numbers to get in so there's no there's no incentive for the mainstream media their narrative that they pump out into the media and their own press and their advertising to be truthful it's about getting a certain emotion across to get people to vote for them i understand why they do it politics is a machine right you and the thing is Politics, this is what everybody always says, because everybody always goes that, like, now is the worst time in history for politics. And it's just like, yeah, you, you remember the days of George Reid, do you? And you can, you can compare to 1904 and whatever the fuck was going on then. I can't. It's my job to know this stuff. I don't know what was going on in Federation. Could have been just as dirty, and I think it was. I think it probably was more dirty back then, because it was just two newspapers that would have been the only outlets of information i think it's always this is something that people need to get around it's just like politics is a dirty game yeah and you just have to accept that it's it's that is the nature of the beast it's always going to be based around favors and doing deals with people and that is politics (laughs) <laughs> you can't change that I think that these ideas of like flux for instance where they say that oh you just get a people in and then it's true democracy because everybody just votes online about what policy they want and then that policy gets passed you would have just a far more efficient version of what the US has at the moment where they have that you know, quote unquote truer democracy than we do where they don't have to vote so what does that give them advantage to? It gives advantage to people like coal lobbyists and, I don't know, the NRA, all these people, to just find a core contingency of nuts and truly mobilise and rile them up so they go out and vote. Right. And the thing is that these things... So, for instance, mining, huge amounts of money. You know, that's the reason we currently don't have a Labor government is because they were just able to run a $100 million scare campaign because they dared say to the mining industry, those are our resources. Maybe the country should have a little bit of that money, just a bit. Is that, is that, is that a controversial opinion? And so ju- just that, the mining industry makes, at, at its peak, it was making o- well over $100 billion a year out of the mining boom. It is nothing for them to drop a $100 million scare campaign being like, your mining tax will cost jobs. Just that, $100 million worth of that sinks a government like that. Gone. I think th- that's what I'm saying when they say, like, like flux will make things more d- democratic. What you, what you are always forgetting 
is that there are very powerful, very cashed-up forces that do not want what is in the interest of the general public working behind the scenes. And they mm. can do the exact same thing mm. in like a flux environment where it's just like getting people to vote online. Right. They could just rile up certain contingencies and get just enough votes to get their things passed. Because basically what you have now is the flux system, but politics. It's just, you're voting for like a... a it's, it's, it's less precise, I'll give it that, yeah. but it's pretty much the same thing. It's just like, do you believe in these values or do you believe in those values? But it's still, it's still a corrupted system. So I think that what the main message that you need to get out to people is that uh, when people say that we live in a democracy, that is true on paper, but the reality of it is that you actually live in an oligarchy. There's just a few... What's an oligarchy? <laughs> an oligarchy is just like a few powerful elites that control... Huh? I thought it was a fruit. <laughs> and you sounded so sad while saying it. I thought this was going to be delicious. You're basically telling us we all live in a big fruit and we could start eating the walls. <laughs> How close is that? I don't know if you saw it, the Joe Rogan and Alex Jones podcast. That is like that close to being that. <laughs> I haven't seen that one, but I do like Joe. Um, Sorry, I completely interrupted. So it's like living in an oligarchy where the micro... Well, it's just, it's just there's a few powerful elites that have... <laughs> Every, every, everything is just like all of these names this is the other thing that I really hate about these labels like you know left or right or communist capitalist and all these things it's just masking a very general truth about society which is that in every society since the dawn of civilization, there has been a few powerful elites that just come up with some ideology to distract people from the fact that there is a few powerful elites that are making all the decisions it's never changed it's become more sophisticated that's about it. Um, mm. And so I think that the thing is that you need to be inoculated to that and understand that, okay, th this is my understanding of it. I, I could get into like very nuanced debates about it, but in general, the Liberal Party of this country is like the Republicans in the US. Well, actually, no, that the Liberal Party is like the Democrats and the Republicans are just, I think Bill Maher put it best. Do you know who he is? Yes. Yeah. He said it best when he was just like, the Democrats became the Republicans and the Republicans became insane people in Parliament. That's, that's pretty much what's happened. Like, they've just... Even conservative commentators about the Republicans now don't refer to the Republican Party. Like, academics, conservative academics, refer to the Republican Party as not a mainstream parliamentary party. It is an extremist party that is masquerading as like a, a majority party. So the Liberals are not that bad, but they are pretty much where the Democrats are. If you look at their, their policies pretty much down the line, it'd be about that. It's just like pretty much serves nothing but corporate interest. Mm. Um, it's just whatever, they don't have an ideology. It's just whatever goes to the highest bidders. The Labour Party is at least somewhat grounded by semi-strong unions in this country and unions are made up by workers. So they have to reflect workers' interests at least some of the time. And they do. If you look at it, if you do a, a compass vote and you look at it, I can guarantee you it'd probably be around the same thing for everybody where it's just like... You would agree with the Liberal Party's decisions about 10% of the time. You would agree with the Labour Party's decisions about 70% of the time. 
Those are your two options at the end of the day. I'm taking the 70%. Mm-hmm. I'm just living with the fact that they need to do deals to get in power. Like, mm. it's just, that's politics. Mm. It's a sobering reality, but that's mm. the reality of the situation, is that, like, every time a Labor government is in power, for, for instance, throughout the Hawke years, they were the ones that gave us... This is an amazing accomplishment. They're always talking about how good the Liberals are managing the economy. Bupkis, they, they by not taxing mining at all, they cost this country $1.3 trillion, but they're always going, we could make a $20 billion surplus. That is fucking peanuts. That is nothing. The, the government before that of Hawke and Keating set up the Australian economy in such a way that our generation grew up uh, without seeing a single recession. That's pretty much a world first. There's very few governments that have been that economically successful. Mm. The, The facts of the matter are, when you look at the policy, when you look at the institutions that the Labor Party has set up, yeah, they're not perfect. They're a major political party. They have to bend to special interest will sometimes. But at the end of the day, they build the nation. I'm always saying this, that the reason we're the envy of the world, like when you talk to anyone across the planet, even people that live in England and, and the US, where like most of the world would kill like a hundred people just to get citizenship there. And then you go there as an Australian to those places and you think, what a shithole. There is real serious reasons for that. Mm. And it's because both of their political parties let them down, that their unions were too weak, there was no lobbyists working for them, so both of them just became corporate puppets. In Australia, it was not the same. It was just because unions were a little bit stronger. It was just a pure luck coincidence thing. But now, we are one of the envies of the world. There's very few nations that anyone ever says anything positive about. There's always just like, Norway does this, Sweden does that, and also, constantly, Australia has this, you know? We're up there with those countries. Mm. And that is all because the Labor Party sculpted this country in such a way that it actually serves the people of the country. Most Western democracies don't do that. Mm. It's a completely rigged game to set up a a few corporate interests, and that's about it. I I can't remember what the question was. That's fascinating. I feel like I learned a lot then about... (laughs) I kept up with most of it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, but the Labor stuff, like, it's 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 interesting to know that... Like, it makes you feel happy to be, and it make me a little bit more happy and less cynical, I think. It's funny that you, you like, slander, like, like, have a go at a lot of politics, but you actually made me feel quite hopeful and content about politics then. Yeah. Because, because cause it's something I don't really understand that much, and my, my illusion is, like, that whole, or my idea is that, like, it's, it's all puppeteered by corporates and there's the powerful elite that control everything, and that makes me disenfranchised and, like, I don't give a fuck. But then there's a, something nice about going... It just is the way it is, and do- everyone's doing a pretty good job. Try- well, they're trying their best, at least. Let, let me be perfectly clear. The Liberal Party is not doing a good job. <laughs> but <laughs> So, more than half of Parliament is out to screw you over. But the, <laughs> but, but the Labour's. The Labour the Labor Party, yes. Look, yeah, that, that's, that's all true what you were saying there, but it's, it's just undeniable. If you go through it on everything... Some of the best living standards on earth, some of the best wages on earth, Medicare, the NDIS, uh, having one of the strongest economies in the world. The fact that they tried to implement a mining and carbon tax and despite all this pressure, a $100 million campaign against them, the mining party trying to bribe them, cashing up the Liberal parties with $13 million of donations, trying to soften them with $3 million of donations, 
at, like forcing a leadership change. That's what everyone thinks out. They're always just being like, oh, it was just about Rudd and Gillard's personalities. No, it wasn't. It was the fact that like half of the party was thinking we need a fresh face and we need to water down our mining policy, otherwise we're out, and then the Liberals will get in and then I'll just completely gut the mining tax, which is exactly what happened. That's really what that leadership change was about. It was basically an indicator to the mining industry that like, okay, let's just, let's just call a truce. Let's go back to the negotiation table. But at least that is better than what the Liberal Party did, which is just like, you want it scrapped? That's fine. You want to build some of the last coal plants on earth? Yep, totally up for that. You want to cut 20,000 nurses, teachers and firefighter jobs to build a coal mine in Queensland that no bank on earth thinks is profitable? Sure. You know, that's the difference. Mm. That's what we're talking about mm. here. And so, yeah, like, uh, just, just to add meat to your point that, like, yeah, like, it, 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 politics is not perfect. It never has been. But there is a force in Australia that is working your interest. And it is changing in the US as well. Mm. Bernie Sanders is pretty – everyone's always just going, like, oh, my God, Bernie Sanders is so radical and, you know, just basically a communist. He pretty much has the same policies as Bill Shorten. Mm. That, that, just to show you how extreme the perspective is wow, in yeah. the US – that's where it's gotten to, wow. where the Liberal Party is the lefty hippie corporate there. They're the lefties there, or whatever you want to call them. And then it's the same thing in the, in the UK, where it's now moving back to Jeremy Corbyn. Mm. And they are getting huge popular support and groundswell. And because of social media, they're able to circumnavigate the old gatekeepers in the media. Mm. Circumnavigate the old gatekeepers and the media. What does that mean? It means that... Before the advent of social media, the only way to get your message out was either to spend a lot of money on campaigning, and still to this day, for instance, the Murdoch Press, sometimes the unions or the Labour Party will want to run an ad in the Herald Sun, and they will say, we will give you $50,000 for this. And the Murdoch Press will look at that and just be like, we don't want your money, because we don't want that message getting out to our readers. So they will even, even when you're offering them money, they'll just be like, no. Because that's the whole thing. Those papers, most of those papers now run at a loss. Murdoch keeps the Australian running. And I think pretty much everything except for the Telegraph now at this point, maybe the Herald Sun, at a loss, purely to have that influence on politics. Um, so mm. when, when in the olden days, it was truly a miracle that the Labor Party ever got in at all. They've been in power since Federation 30% of the time. The equivalent of the Liberal Party has been, which is pretty much just the party of the elites has been in power 70% of the time and they if, if you go back you know 100 years ago there would have been two newspapers both of those newspapers would have wanted the equivalent of the Liberal Party in uh, you go back to I don't know what the 60s or something there might have been five TV stations and a few radio stations and some newspapers all of them would have wanted the Liberal Party in now you're getting to social media where at least you can hear the counter-arguments to what you're being sold in the mainstream gotcha. media. Now, not enough people are actively interested in it, and the mainstream media still has way more of a reach than people like, for instance, I ever could ever hope to achieve. Mm. But if enough people are educated enough to make the counter-argument, you will see a shift. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I mean by like circumnavigating uh, the, the, old, the old guards in the media. That's so interesting because that, that, that's, I mean, I feel like we could talk about this all day, but there's, what, what's, what's your opinion on what, in the UK, I don't, when Russell Brand had the prime, or the prime minister that wanted to get into government, 
or the, the campaign leader or whatever they called <laughs> he wanted to get into government, had him around his house and had him on, on his episode of The Trues. Did you ever follow that or see that happen? I remember that oh, causing yeah, like yeah, groundswell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ed Miliband. Ed Miliband, yeah, it came on True. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was, I was always fascinated. I didn't really understand what was going on, but it's, it was like front page and it was like causing a lot of swell. Mm-hmm. And apparently um, he, it, Russell said it attributed Ed's downfall by being associated with him. But that's just probably just a comedy line. But I was just interested to to see that all, like how much heat was around that whole that whole campaign, and um, yeah. So do you, what do you know of what happened during that time? That Ed Miliband. Oh, it was always the same thing. It's like Russell Brand is a very influential man. He's probably one of the most recognisable human beings on earth. I'd imagine, oh, no, you, you know, Bollywood stars and stuff like that, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. In the Western world, he is, <laughs> as if they can. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, in the Western world, he would be one of the most recognisable faces. That's powerful. It is not as powerful as the Murdoch press having a thousand journalists running at a loss designed to make corporate propaganda. The thing is that there is an old... It's actually called, uh, I I think it's called like the Murdoch handshake or something. I can't remember the exact expression of it. But since the 70s, I think even, every prime minister of Britain has had to bend the knee to Rupert Murdoch, have a meeting with him, say that we're not going to interfere with your news uh, operations too much. This is what we can do to loosen the law so you can buy up more media. They've had to do that just to get power. It's the nature of the beast. Um, Rupert Murdoch distinctly hated Ed Miliband because he's, he was a slight deviation away from uh, the, the new Labour that was created mm. under Tony Blair. Mm. And look, Tony Blair, check some pluses. There was good things about him, there was bad things about him. But, but, but at the end of the day, he was that move away from, from the old Labour. Mm. Making a more a Labour Party that re- represented more the Conservatives in the U- in the UK, but look to get power, whatever. As long as as long as the Conservatives aren't in power, that's a win in mm. my books. Mm. Then Ed Miliband came along. He was deviating slightly more, bringing it a little back to old Labour. And Jeremy Corbyn is obviously the bastion of moving it back to old Labour. But under Ed Miliband, it's the same thing that happened to Michael Daly here. It's, it's the exact same strategy you see every time. Looked like he was coming up in the polls. He was getting a groundswell amongst young people. Russell Brand was helping popularise him. And to his credit, I'm really glad that Russell Brand was not pushing the line that he was originally pushing of like, they're both the same, they're both shit. He, he actually got a little more educated on it. He was just like, mm. Man, it, it's not even a choice. Even Miliband's way better. Mm. Um, he was getting up in the polls. I think it was the same thing. as He was looking like he could maybe even accomplish in a minority government. Hit him hard with... He eats a sandwich, funny. The exact same thing they did to Bill Shorten. That, like, well, who eats a sausage sandwich like that? Yeah, he just, just all these shots of, like, a disgusting face on the front of him. Just to associate him with being a pig, being like, is that the face of Britain that you want? Oh, my God. It's just like, you know, that's, that's the yeah. level of coverage that they try and push it on, just, just so they can change the conversation to oh. something, to make people focus on that. That's what was happening. So... 
at the end of the day, yeah, look, Ed Miliband had Russell Brand in his corner, but the Conservatives had the Murdoch empire in their corner, mm. as well as everyone's always talking about how fair and balanced the ABC and the BBC are. Bupkis. The ABC and the BBC are just a reflection of whoever's in power. They are an established... I, I don't understand this, how everybody's just like, yeah, state-run propaganda across the planet is clearly just to favour the leader, but except for the ABC, they're fair and balanced. No. <laughs> Government-owned. <laughs> what? Aren't they government-owned? Exactly, that, that yeah. Means that what do you think to? they're going to represent then? <laughs> what, you think they're going to go against their boss? Sorry. <laughs> it's, fu- it's fucking... It's so fascinating. It's a, it's, a, it's a world that I think I've appreciated just being able to hear your perspective on because it, it makes me feel a little bit more educated about it. <laughs> and, and it makes me feel a little bit more chill about it. Like, it's... I was a bit more defeatist and don't even give it any energy but now I'm like oh it seems to be some good things going on like it's <laughs> interesting right yeah look honestly if if I can just convince people that there is a difference between the labor and liberal government a labor and liberal government there is a difference between them and it is a significant difference and it is the difference between a a a a nation being built in the general interest of the general population, you know, not everything you want, mm. never will be. Mm. Anyone that promises otherwise, that's the other thing that I hate about the Greens, that they're always nipping it. The Greens were great when they were set up by Bob Brown, and it was just like, I don't, I don't give a shit about anything except for like, no building a dam in Tasmania. That was great. When they were just acting as an environmental pressure group to just add some pressure to the Labor Party, to, to make it a little more green conscious, mm. they were doing wonders in the 80s and 90s. Mm. Um, now they've gotten to a stage where they think, oh, we can be the Labor Party. And it's just like, you don't have the infrastructure, the machinations, you don't have the brains behind your operation, that you do not reflect general Australia's opinion. What, what, are you, what are you kidding yourselves? So essentially what they're doing now is just eating up... Instead of, instead of campaigning, if you look at their, their campaigning throughout any election, instead of going after how bad the Liberals are, every time it's just like, well, Labor's shit on this and we're better on that. It's like, that's great. Here's the, here's the downer on that, Greens. You're not going to be in government, ever. So you can just promise whatever you like, some utopia fantastical world where everybody's pretty and it's just like everybody lives in that movie Elysium in the good part. But that's not going to happen because you're not going to be in government. So, <laughs> like, what, what are you saying here? And now you see them getting out utopian by smaller parties like Keep Sydney Open that's just like, well, we believe everything the Greens want, but... We party harder. And then, like, then, then those people are like, yay, and move towards that. It just becomes cannibalistic because it's not getting behind this general thing of, like, no one's happy with this. Bill Shorten is not happy with the direction of the Labor Party, but he's building a consensus, which is what democracy is. No one gets to be happy in a democracy. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's quite refreshing to hear that, though. It's like, that sounds quite true. <laughs> it sounds quite true. Uh, we don't have to have a utopia where we're fucking all the same. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just like, let's just, we're just close enough. Everyone relax. <laughs> Everyone, everyone's trying to do a good job, except the liberals. Now you catch it all. <laughs> Are you sure you're not hired by the Labour government? Well, this is always the conspiracy theory that comes behind me. And it was also because BuzzFeed released this article going, he did an ad for the unions once. 
not adding the fact that I've supported the unions for years before that. Mm. I still support the unions to this day. I'm a fervent supporter of the unions. I think that, look, the reason the Labor Party is even remotely good is because unions are strong enough to keep them in check. That's Mm. it. Mm. I cannot recommend people enough to join their union. That is the pillar of a true democracy. Um, And that's why there's been such a concerted effort over the last 40 years to go like, ooh, they're corrupt. But the thing is, BuzzFeed just put this article at the top just going like, he gets paid for political advertising. Put aside the fact that it was one video on the how controversial is this idea, you should register to vote, which you're legally required to do. (laughs) 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 they, They didn't mention that. Done by a journalist who was so unscrupulous he was almost kicked out of the Canberra Press Gallery for how unscrupulous his journalism methods were, which is saying a lot. They are the scum of society, journalists, and he was too scum for the scum. And And Labour are now hiring him. (laughs) No, how perfect is this? Because the the, uh, UK press is always known as the ratbag press of the world the absolute scum of the scum (laughs) and when he got too hot for australia uk buzzfeed was going we'll take you on board you're just scummy enough for us (laughs) so he moved to them anyway that has dogged me for the rest of my career is always just being like he's paid by labor and the unions it was for one ad i am extremely proud of that Mm. i would gladly take more union money if they offered it to me but they're always just like how about you fuck off well i don't (laughs) even ask them but like you know that that that's the that's what happens it's all just it's all crowdfunded you will not find a more independent voice in journalism than me period i am completely self-funded um and the times that I took money from like Greenpeace or the unions, completely on board with their message. Mm. I did not sacrifice my credibility at all. Can BuzzFeed say the same thing? The, 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 the uh, organization that releases a bunch of article listicles on 21 reasons Chevron's the tits. You know, like why you should join the Commonwealth Bank, you fucking maggots. <laughs> Absolute parasites. I'd love that to be one. <laughs> 21 reasons Chevron's the tits. Great. But that has been a concerted effort from the mainstream media when I first started out. If you, if you look at it, there was very small coverage of me when I first started getting a, a following. Mm. And they started attacking me. Then I'd attack back. And because I have credibility and can point out that they're completely bought and sold puppets and give very specific examples of how they are. Yeah, I've seen some of those videos. They're powerful. Yeah, exactly. Like, Mm. they've just opted to just take the beating from now on. Mm. Now I can just say whatever I want. Like, how pathetic is this? Think about how bad journalism is in this country and the West in general that a guy with a camera that is way shitter than the one that's pointing Mm. at us now, like, it cost me a 100 bucks from Kmart... I am the apex predator of journalism in this country. No journalistic uh, uh, outlet in the country dares write a negative article about me now because they know that the damage to them will be times 10 if they do. And it's not because I'm a smart guy. It's just that I read a bit. No, I'm not a smart man. Smart enough. Smart enough. Look, I read. I read. But that's not smart. That's just reading. 
No, I, yeah, I would say you're actually incredibly intelligent, just because you <laughs> because you got the capability to discern the shit from the non-shit. Oh wait a minute, the the <laughs> see, I can't even fucking discern shit from non-shit. <laughs> so yeah, so it's, not, it's now not become a compliment saying that you're intelligent because the person that's speaking it sounds fucking dumb as shit. Dressed in like hillbilly overalls. <laughs> you don't think good. You don't think, think good. Quite pretty. <laughs> but there's something very potent about being able to like comedically deliver truth. I think it's actually almost a superpower. And and you need to be very, very smart to do it because you need to be able to not only be able to see the bullshit, you, be, you need to be able to then discern it. And then you need to be able to clarify it for an audience that can comprehend it. And you can do all that in a fun way. Mm. Like it's, it's pretty fucking, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big superpower you got. No, it, 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 there is nothing more powerful than satire. Mm. And that's the other thing that a lot of ju- journalists are inherently scared of satire. Because even controlled, checked satire like The Chaser... They, they were too scared to attack them despite the fact they had a mainstream audience of two million people and they were not hitting a tenth as hard as I hit because they've been checked by the ABC. I'm sure they would have if they could have. But mm. again, I, I don't find that an excuse. And on top of that, I think that when satirists just go, it's just comedy, it's just like, yeah, but you're a new source to people. So you have the same responsibilities they do. You don't get to weasel out of it by going, it was just a joke. Mm. But mm. again, it's, it's that thing of... If you can get people to laugh, you've won. And mm. if you're delivering facts on top of making people laugh, there's no nothing that they can do in counteraction to that, especially mm. when it, it goes back to old king times. Uh, old king times. <laughs> ye old England. Yeah. When the only person that could speak truth to power was the jester. That's right. It was always that thing of if anyone else said what the jester said, they'd mm. be beheaded. Mm. So you mm. kind of afforded that position in society. So I think it is your duty. This is why I can't watch stand-up shows anymore that are just like, oh, I've got a girlfriend. Just hear about my middle-class existence. I don't care about your life unless you're a crackhead or like really rich, like cartoonishly rich and you just live a Bond villain life. I want to hear about that. (laughs) But I do not want to hear about your crap terrace. (laughs) So funny. I think, I don't know who said it, but someone, someone did. And it's something something like the, the comedians are the last line of hope for humanity. Yeah, because one, if once comedian, if if comedians died out, we're all fucked. Because yeah. who's going to be telling the truth? Yeah, and who? Yeah, in, like boldly. Yeah, and get away with it. Yeah, it's 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 fucking amazing when you see a comedian deliver a hard hitting truth in such a jovial way. Like it's you're afforded the wiggle room to think outside oh, conventional thought. Exactly. Exactly. Because as long as you made someone laugh, it's okay. Yep. And so therefore you're unlocking all these doors in people's minds by making them feel okay about thinking a little bit differently to their trapped thinking. Yep. Because we are yep. all trapped to a degree. Like I'm yep. trapped. I've got fucking limitations that I need to get some doors unlocked. Like you unlocked it one tonight. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's the whole thing, isn't it? You're right. Look, seeking knowledge is its own reward, but that, that, that thing of... 
comedians being able to do that, and that's that, that's the very nature of humour as well. It's two ideas that there's a lot of different definitions of comedy, but I think one of the ones that is closer to being accurate. I've never read one that I've just gone like that's it, <laughs> but one of them is very close to it which is that it's two ideas being combined in a surprising and new way that makes sense. Wow, wow. Two ideas being combined in a surprising way that makes sense. So a good example wow. of that, because it was an old book that I was reading, and it was just makes it even better because it was just about a 20s joke. And it was just about this... Shay, the, the, the greatest comedians of all time, the Marx Brothers, or I don't know, someone like that. Yeah. And then they were just... They, they, they were talking about the fact that uh, there, there was this joke and it was all in silent music with the piano being like black and white these two cops chasing this convict who went uh, behind an elevator and then the elevator went down and crushed the two cops and then he ran out the elevator and then when the elevator went back up two midgets dressed as the cops went ding, 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 and started chasing them. That is that idea in action. Two right. ideas being combined in a surprising way that makes sense. So right. it's... N- that's a great example. Don't you reckon? Yeah. yeah, it's like, it's, it's not... Example. It's not that it, uh, it, it's not that it has to be realistic. It's that it has to be like, at least your brain in some ways, like, I, I mean, I can see the logic in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a great way to put it. That's yeah. a funny. That's a. Re- I want to fucking marinate on that because that's a really f- interesting way to di- dissect it. That yeah. I've never thought about. Yeah, I agree. It's a really. I, interesting I, I way like to my point. It. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I I I like my point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so you mentioned Freud before. Like Jung, Freud, what's, what's some learnings that you've loved from their philosophy? Or Do you have a girlfriend? Um, no. Not at the moment. <laughs> Pretty pathetic, man. Uh, like, get your act together. <laughs> no, but look, I, I, God, what I wouldn't do to be single again. But, you know, the, the thing that I've learned, and it, it comes from Freudian ideas and it has been refined by science because obviously most of what Freud was said was kind of just like... Yeah, what like a, a sheep means new beginnings you're basically a tarot reader like but but there was there was this point where do you want to know something that'll screw you up for the rest of your life yes please <laughs> it is a theory that i think works is is true to a degree there most relationships in life either turn into friendships and they just fizzle out. Uh, There's just no sexual tension there anymore. There's no uh, aliveness in the relationship. It kind of just becomes... You kind of become housemates. Yeah. It's not you hate the person. That's one of the most sobering things my dad ever said to me when he was just like, so what was it like breaking up with your first girlfriend or like your other girlfriends and stuff? And then he was just saying that, well, you know, most of the time it's not some big fight and you leave. It's just like both of you know you should end, but no one has the courage to say it. And so you just kind of sit there for six years until you go, well, maybe we should call it. <laughs> oh, my God. That makes me so sad. It's a depressing thought. Yeah, yeah. It's a very depressing <laughs> thought. 
And I think that the way to circumnavigate that, if I had my time again, I do love my girlfriend, but we do suffer from these problems and I'm doing very active things to make sure that the, the, the it's thoughty still, but I think that if I was doing it again, there's four types of people, amen. There's four types of there's, there's four types of people that if you look back in throughout history that philosophers are always like categorizing people into four broad generalization groups of people. I would imagine that you, Hamish Blake, and Andy Lee are all in the one of uh, high levels of dopamine in their brain. There's four different neurochemicals that w when you look at it, most people's brains are operating through one of these chemical ways, right? Mm. All four, all three of you guys are fun-loving people. That is a dopamine person. You're very creative as well. Dopamine people are obsessed with fun, novelty, creativity. They're always looking for the next adventure. I mean, that's why we fell in love with you guys, right? You were just, you were just taking the nation on an adventure with you, like creating all of these memories where you go, remember that time we, even though I wasn't there, you know? <laughs> it's true, it's true. It's exactly that. Which is very depressing for everybody else in the country, but you guys had fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, everyone loves living vicariously through the adventure. Huh? Everyone loves living vicariously it's through great. the adventure. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. That's the best. That's what I love about the medium of radio. It's the best medium for escapism, I think. Mm -hmm. It makes you use your imagination. Mm -hmm. And there's like a guiding storyteller. It's just like reading mm -hmm. a good audio book with yeah. a nice narrator. Within that great, with a great with a narrator that's got great chemistry or the dynamic. I think that's what makes them so special is it's, it's a sincere chemistry. Yeah, there's, they clearly like each yeah, other. That's yeah. a huge plus on just like Rove McManus and Sam Frost. I'm sure they get along. <laughs> oh, man, there's so many stories of radio combinations that god just i like, would love to hear yeah. that off here <laughs> uh, yeah that, that would make me very happy i've got a few to tell <laughs> <laughs> so, but, so god, the, i'm excited look that that's that that's one let's of the wrap there <laughs> <laughs> we gotta yeah, we gotta turn these things up no. there was um there's that there's there's those people high in dopamine all, mm, all three mm. of you guys into novelty adventure creativity always into doing things yeah. which is also something that I've, I've i've observed about the very nature of your guys's comedy is it's just very it's very event based mm. it, all science just look it, 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 under the dopamine in the dictionary there should just be a picture of your face it should just be that like clearly that right then the, then the other ones are uh, high in serotonin. That is what my girlfriend is. These are people that are very plan-oriented. Basically, their, their mind is a, a to-do list and a clock. That's all they care about. It's just ticking off goals. They feel very out of place, the exact opposite. They feel out of place doing fun new things. Right. They feel in place being extremely organized. Every organization needs those people. George Washington was a very good example of that because... And, and they're very even-tempered people as well. Nothing really... It's, it's hard to rile them, and you will see it every time. It's the same with my girlfriend. The thing that gives them the shits is that you're late, that you're not following the plan that they had, that you're not interested in the plan. Mm. Like, it's just like, fuck, I, I don't care about, like, ticking off doing laundry, all right? Like, that, that, that's the thing that they care about, right? And then they... George Washington was a really good example of that. He was a meticulous planner, and he was always sending out very detailed minutes to his staff. He didn't care 
if there was a surprise attack by the British, that wouldn't rile him, which would unsettle every other general normally, right? Mm-hmm. If, if it was, look, a surprise attack is the worst thing that can happen in the military, right? But the thing that would give him the shit is when his officers wouldn't read his minutes and he'd just be like, so we're all up on the minutes and then he'd be like, oh, yeah, well, g- give me number one then. Uh, attack the British. You didn't read them! Like, that'd be the thing that'd give him the shit. Those are people that are high on serotonin. Then there's people that are, that are high on uh, testosterone, which is definitely me. It's basically someone who's autistic. They're just obsessed with one thing in life. That's it. Which is me. It's just like... I just want to talk about self-help and policy. Actually, that's it. It's just that. And just want to sit in a room by myself and read heaps about it. Then the next one after that is people that are high in estrogen. Usually the difference between men and women is more men are high in testosterone, more women are high in estrogen. Makes sense, right? But men usually are very obsessed with getting very good at one thing. Women are people people. They're very, obs- they're very into how other people are feeling. They, they like encouraging people. The best way to think of it is just like, a man uh, really, at the end of the day, is, is pretty much just like the Terminator, I guess, just wants one thing and just like their whole life. Whereas like most women are kindergarten teachers being like, it's a very nice jig, Kearney. <laughs> you know, they, they, they just like encouraging people. They like being around people. They like learning about people. They're, like, they're people people. Yeah, yeah. Now there's reverses to this. So Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton was a really good example. Bill Clinton was extremely interested in people. That's why everyone likes Bill Clinton a lot and hates Hillary Clinton. Mm. Because Bill Clinton was a people person. Everybody always says when they meet him, even people that were like his sworn enemies, Kent Starr, the guy that was supposed to bring him down with the Lewinsky scandal, would say, my job every minute of every day was to hate Bill Clinton, but in the five minutes a day that I had to interact with Bill Clinton, I thought he was the best man on earth. Says everything you need to know about his charisma. Then there's people like Hillary Clinton, that are like me, that are just policy wonks. All they give a shit is about policy. They don't care about people's feelings. It's just a Ben Shapiro, just, just like facts over feelings kind of thing. They're, they're me. Yeah. Um, the thing is, you should be getting in a relationship with people that compliment you. So people that are high ah. in estrogen should be going in, high in, in a relationship that is high in testosterone. Right. You should be in a relationship with someone who's high in dopamine. Someone who's up for Same adventure. Same as me. Same as you. Right. So dopamine and dopamine need to match. Dopamine and dopamine need to match. Serotonin and serotonin need to match. People that just like plans should be people with people who like plans. But people that are high in testosterone, basically because the only thing they ever want to talk about is the thing they're interested in. And the only people that will tolerate that is people with estrogen that are like, yes, I'm not sick of talking about this for 20 years. You know, like, <laughs> I just like you. <laughs> That's so interesting. It is, isn't it? That's fascinating. So, you, and obviously, there's variables within all those things, but having that kind of somewhat of a heart, it's a general ground. It's a general ground. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a general. It's a general map. That's what I think for your next girlfriend. That's what you should be looking towards. Are they somebody that is fun and ebullient and up for adventure? That would match your personality to a T. <laughs> Someone I've met an hour ago. That there you go. That's that's what you should be doing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah anyway that that kind of just flows into Freud and his like Mm. dissection of the personalities and relationships but the next thing that happens after that is what happens when you're in a relationship I don't know how this works with gay couples but with straight couples usually what happens is the 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 uh the man is interested the the man 
that, that classic Freud thing, but it's not that where it's always just being like, you just want to have sex with your mom. Like he's always saying that stuff, right? And it's kind of true, but it's not the actual <laughs> core truth. <laughs> Which is the core truth is what happens is you actually want to be in a relationship with your mum. And women want to be in a relationship with their dad. And what they're trying to do is figure out childhood traumas that will never actually heal with that person because they're a different person. But if they remind you slightly of your parents, that's when you have that really intense relationship with them. They have the same personality traits. So my girlfriend is the exact opposite of my mum. My mum was insane. She's like really into um, th- th- that, those things. Those are the, like my childhood wounds would just be that of just like, I'm not a liar. No, I'm not paid by the Labour Party. I'm telling the truth. It's that. <laughs> your mum always fucking pressed you on that when you're five. <laughs> are you paid by the Labour Party? I've been seeing you go to what you do after kindergarten. <laughs> Oh, I'm mistaking my mum with like a, a, an attack liberal party ad from the 90s. Just one of those ones like, fact, Mark Latham, when he was mayor, blew out the deficit. Like, a, <laughs> just, <laughs> shut up, mum. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. But I think that's the, that's, that's the, that's the thing that happens is that mm. if you're in a relationship and there's chemistry that's there, it's because there's childhood wounds that are being accessed. You're accessing your partner's childhood wounds and they're accessing your childhood wounds. And so you're trying to get that person to fix these things that are subconsciously ingrained in you that will never actually be oh. subconsciously dealt with unless, I don't know, float tanks? I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds like total codependency, de- defining yeah. codependency. Yeah. It's like, it, it's this unhealthy dependency on one another for he- externally soothing my wounds. You know, yeah. like you, you, you're, yep. by being of you, you're, you're showing me that I'm enough somehow. So that's f- soothing this sense of not being enough inside of myself. And therefore I'm dependent on getting that from you. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. Mm. That's when you get into those unhealthy relationships. So the thing is, like, what, what the, the, the main piece of advice that has been extended from Freud, I guess, but not really because he never got to that point. He was just like, you want to have sex with your mum, and now I'm dead. And he never, like, got to that next point. The point is, just, like, it, it's, it's very simple. It's very, very simple, but is the hardest thing to do in a relationship, which is that you need to be extremely honest with your partner. And so few relationships get to that level of maturity, Mm. which is why most people are unhappy in a relationship. I don't think I'm anywhere close to that, but at least I know the map. You're supposed to get to that point. And so when you get to that point, you start seeing that that, and again, like you obviously know they're a different person consciously, but your little seven-year-old brain doesn't. And that's what you need to really be conscious of a lot of the time. Like, for instance, the thing that I'm always in, in a huge tiff about in my relationship is that we don't argue at all and it's because we are extremely different people on that that four people type thing that's the last person i should be dating is someone high in serotonin but i respect her a lot as a human being i think she's a very uh, attractive ambitious kind natured you couldn't pick a better human being really Mm. and so i understand as a result of that that usually what happens in those relationships where it doesn't remind you of your parents at all is you go, this is boring, and then you leave. Mm. 
But really, what you should be doing, I, th- I think a, a mature thing to do, I mean, like, it's, 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 it's bad for stimulating the brain, but I think it is good for uh, mm. making you a humbler, wider yes, person that's yes. able to see more perception. Is, is like, if you are in a relationship with someone that is at the, the opposite end of you, that's a good thing as well. There's good in that because it makes you a more grounded person that's able to see perspectives yes. better. Yeah, and to and you have the you have more of the spectrum. It's like exactly you like that. Like yeah. you're covering more area yeah. of what human potential is. So you're yeah. more compassionate, understanding, empathetic. Uh, like just think wider. I think I why, that's my re- conviction of like the last six months to a year is like. I don't want to be in an echo chamber with someone, you know, like whoever my next partner is, I don't want her to reciprocate my thoughts identically. I want her to challenge me like somewhat exactly. or, or be different to me at least. Yep. Like if yep. it's not challenge me, but observe a difference. Like I don't want to fucking, can you, I'd hate for it to be so same, same that, you know, that there's no, there's no, um, there's no movement or flow or, polarity i guess i think i agree with your point like i think it's really nice to have that difference well that 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 and naturally would happen in a healthy relationship for you anyway because you would be around somebody who is vivacious and creative so they, they are never going to be the same as you they might be operating from the same chemical structure mm. but they are not going to think yes. the same way you no. are and they're going to that's add true. things to you so that, that, that would naturally sort itself out. Yeah, that's true. And I think that that's a good thing anyway. Like what, what you're pointing out is it, it, it's truly something that you see in a lot of people that you know that they're not going to do very well in life. And it is not the humbleness, I don't know if that's mm, a word, mm. to admit that you're stupid and you don't know everything. <laughs> don't you think? But, but stupid people that. think they know everything. Yeah, mm. Man, I, that, that's humbling to even hear. I think I, I've got caught in that trap before of thinking yeah. my way is the right way. Yeah. And then when it's taken a big hit on my ego to be able to say, oh, actually, I'm just fucking not, you know, like everyone's got their own subjective view and they're all wonderfully different. Yep. And, um, and sure, there's ones that are a bit more efficient, effective and contribute more to humanity than others. But still, everyone's just on their own path and everyone's got their own issues as well. So it's like, I think having that kind of, that humble softness about people is actually maybe more peaceful about myself and more accepting of myself as well. And just happier because I just see other people. Like I, I take people on where they're at yeah. and accept them where yeah. they're at rather than thinking they should be somewhere else i think yeah look you 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 have worded something that i don't think i've mastered but i think you're right you're right in that what one of the most freeing things that's that's amazing that you came to that realization it was just a very succinct line that i remember reading which was that um if you accept everything that a human being does as being in their nature you will never be disappointed again. <laughs> that's great. That's great. It sounds like that's what yeah, you've come yeah, across. Yeah. It's just that... That's so great. Don't you think? It's yeah. just nothing. If Who they rob it? you... Huh? Who said that? I, th- I think, and I could be wrong about this, this guy called Jed McKenna. Jed McKenna. Who's lived one of the most interesting lives of... It's just like an to- accidental guru. Oh, really? I like to think you just made that name up and it's just like... It does, it yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so good. Jed McCann. Miley Cyrus. <laughs> yeah, man. That's great. Say it one more time. Uh, if you are if you are in if you accept everything someone does as being in their nature, you will never be disappointed again. Yes. So I th- that, mm. that is actually a very freeing way to look at it. It was like what you were saying mm. in a previous podcast when you said that something that you consciously took on board of uh, accepting the now is when your luggage went missing. Yeah, yeah. And you're so right. So many people in that situation... I know that there is people that talking to me now, that was months ago. Now, you're like, can you believe it? And the airport didn't help me out. Now, to this day. That, that is an amazing thing of just being like, oh, well, that happened. Moving on. That's, that's, a, yeah. that's a real key to success in life, clearly. Yeah, yeah it, it is. It has to be. It has to be. Yeah. It's, and the Buddhism talks it as like fluidity is life and rigidity is death, basically. That's so true. It's and, so good. And you look in, and you look in nature... And you go, if, if there's rigidity anywhere, apart from fucking trees, I suppose, but that's a different time, time frame. They are still moving, growing. <laughs> but, but like generally, you look at nature and you see any kind of rigidity and it just it, it loses life. But anything that's in flow, like, like the rivers or the sky or, you know, like the wind, that, that's where the life, that, yeah. they're the life-giving things, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like the wind is life-giving. The water is life-giving. Yeah. And it's, and it's kind of like... In our, in, it's weird, it's esoteric because we're talking about our beings as fucking energy fields. But it's kind of that, like when, when we're in flow. And like when you're in flow state with your work, it's the same thing. You're in flow state, you're like creating um, yep. with, with poignant laser-like vision. Mm. And, and that's, that's the stream of consciousness. The Vedas or the Sanskrit word is soma which just means consciousness in flow. So you're That's able, right, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're allowed, you're, your vessel is clear enough to let that consciousness or that genius just come through you. Mm. And that's what mm. the Greeks, I love the way the Greeks talked about genius. Like it was a, I don't know what the word is, but it essentially is like an a action. spirit animal. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like a, it was an energy, it was something that came through you. You didn't own it. I'm yeah. not genius. Yeah. Genius is something that happened to me. Yeah. I, I'm channeling yeah. genius or yeah. something. Yeah. I think that's a really good way to put it. And that's why I think is. Kanye is so de- deluded is because I think he's got this, uh, he's entangled what he was, his stream of consciousness with being actually him. <laughs> maybe, maybe. No, that is 100% true. Yeah. Everybody's always saying that. It's just like, is Kanye West a genius or an idiot? And the answer is something in the middle, but basically he's insane. That's it. <laughs> there, there was a study done on mental patients where they discovered that people who use the word I... Uh, sorry, people in mental institutions use the word I 10 times more than the general population. And that's essentially Kanye West. It's oh, just he's wow. kind of just got himself into a position of, I don't know, constant accolade and attention. But if you listen to his thought pattern, every thought he ever has is about himself. Wow, that's interesting. Ten times, they say I 10 times more. Than the average human being. Wow. It Fuck. makes a lot of sense, doesn't mm. it? Most of the most intolerable people you've ever met in your life. I, I don't know. Maybe this is just me, but the most intolerable people I've ever met in my life. Mm. I like people with a big ego if they own the fact they have a big ego and they're not, they're, they're not exactly possessed by it. But I think mm. the difference between someone who has a big ego 
and a narcissist is someone who doesn't understand that they're a narcissist. Mm. They're so consumed by themselves that they can't even fathom a reality where they're not the center of the universe. Mm. And I think that is the most annoying trait. It's very fostered by today's society, but like it's, that is the worst trait a human being could possibly have. Don't you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I just love how earnest you were about that. And it's such a fucking headline. The worst trait a human could ever have. I'm so BuzzFeedy. <laughs> Are you this type of person? <laughs> it is, isn't it? It's so, I think it's so dysfunctional in society. If you want to look at a tribe, like someone like that, they're just like, fucking get out of here. You're not, you're not contributing towards yeah. the better of the society. So if they were in an Aboriginal society, they would have had a leg in the spear, marched <laughs> off into the desert... Where they belong. <laughs> you, love so you are not contributing. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> you like yourself so much, just go be with just yourself yes. forever. Yes. Oh, man. Yes. That's so funny. That's, uh, yeah. 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 I, I, look, I'm, I'm glad you're on board with this. <laughs> Well, man, I feel like we could just talk forever, but we've got to wrap at some point because we have to sleep. Um, oh, shit, we've been going for a long time, sorry. Well, I think we've been going for like nearly two hours. All right. My apologies. No, are you kidding? Thank you for staying on. Like, I want to I keep talking, but I'm more aware that like, this is precious time of yours that I'm stealing. You're right. <laughs> I could be in McDonald's at the moment. Yeah, but thank you. I, honestly, I've enjoyed this podcast a lot. I've done a lot of podcasts. This was definitely the best one I've done, I reckon. Ooh. It's just, it's, it's, you're, you're a good, relaxed, easygoing, also intelligent interview. You've got things to add. How bad is it when it's just like, what's your favorite color? Cool. Uh, where did you grow up? What is this, MTV? Oh, I'm embarrassed now. My last question was, what's your favorite color? <laughs> And I can't answer it. So we'll never know. <laughs> Check out the other podcast which is on where he answered that question. <laughs> Thanks so much, man. You're the best. <laughs>